now, introducing the man who really enjoyed the weekend of playoff football we just witnessed, saying, quote, nothing gets me going more than playoff games that are decided by halftime, just really gets my non-competitive juices flowing, unquote. He rivals Big Ben as the king of the checkdown. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. Everybody's doing all right. It was really weird. Like last night, I looked outside. I'm like, "Damn, man! And there is this is a real snowstorm. Like, holy crap! This is this is crazy." And then I got to work this morning, and there's literally no snow left. Like, it's all gone. It's, go- it's just gone dunsky. I'm like, that's crazy, man. Up by me, up by me, they don't bother to treat the roads when the schools are closed. So, like today, of course, being Martin Luther King Day, there's no school. So, when they know there's no school, they're like, "Nah, hell with it. It's you're all on your own. If you're going out, it's your problem." So, um, Jarrettsville Pike was shut down. It was a really pleasant drive-in, by the way, just a super pleasant drive-in um, because of that. And um, and then I, I'm like, man, this is a real issue for me. And then, like, literally as soon as I hit 83, there's just no snow anymore. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a summer day outside at the moment. It's very strange from my house to here just how crazy it went. I walked outside last night. I'm like, holy hell, this is blizzard-like. Like, as windy as F. I couldn't take my recycling down last night. It was it was pouring snow. It was crazy. And today it's a summer day. It's a nice, just pleasant summer day. It couldn't be sunnier outside. I'm all not thankfully I'm over it. And as we talk about, I'm over it. Thankfully, I was not worried about the snow situation because by the third storm, I just don't care. I just you will not get me to alter my life in any way based upon it. I'm not waking up earlier. Although with the with the boys being off school today, um, it was pleasant. They came in and woke me up no fewer than twelve times, starting at about five a.m. today. It was really nice. We're gonna go out and play, Dad. We're gonna go out and play in the snow. Thanks, thanks, guys. You could just do that and not tell me. It'll be <laughs> all right. Um, Poor kids. It was like mid forties and raining by like two a.m. Was it? Yeah, that's why there's no snow. It got, well, there's the, still snow by us. There's oh, really? still snow up where we are. Oh, the, the temperatures got up to like the mid-40s and rain in the middle of the night. Well, I mean, we live in the, the Hereford zone. Things yeah. are always a little wonky there. But, I mean, it's all right. even there, it went from, again, last night, blizzard to like, you know, an inch or two of snow that was left this morning for them to go play in. Um, it was wild, man. Just a really, really wild situation. All right, uh, good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I'm uh, Glenn Clark. He's Paul Valley. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com today for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer. Coming up on the program today, we're going to talk more about uh, some of the things the Orioles did. Uh, particularly, obviously, the situation in left field with uh, our buddy Ross Grimsley. Uh, Ross and Stan have another show tonight. I'll be telling you about that throughout the course of today's program. Uh, Jeremy Kahn will check in with us a little bit later on. It's a, it's a day of friends today. It's a holiday, so we're catching up with friends. Uh, the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard's going to join us in a bit, and we've got an announcement to make about uh, something we're doing later on this week, Rita and I, so I'm looking forward to that as well. That's all coming up. Um, to Paul's point, yeah, I – Obviously, the weekend of football sucked, and it particularly sucked for me because I tried to get cute and making picks, and I got my ass handed to me. And now tonight's game becomes really, really important because I have completely blown my lead over Kyle Ottenheimer. We are now tied atop the table in picks after I just got my ass kicked. So I really need the Rams to cover tonight. 
Um, it is absolutely critical. After Kyle went four and one, while I went one and four in the first five games of the weekend, it was dreadful, just dreadful for me. But again, I got cute. I, I convinced myself this is the playoffs we're talking about. Yeah, you know, everything changes in the playoffs. You don't cover big numbers in the playoffs. It doesn't matter which team was playing better in the last couple weeks. Every, all five games so far has been very simple. Which team was playing better? Pick them to cover. You would have been great. You would have gone 5-0 and in that scenario. If you just picked the five teams that were playing better down the stretch this season to cover, you would have gone 5-0. and You would have made a bunch of money. Would it have been a little bit weird? Like, yeah, the Raiders had a chance, obviously, late to get a cover uh, against the Bengals, which is the only game I got right, by the way. Um, the Bills-Patriots was an ass-kicking, of course. Just If you would have just gone through which team was playing better down the stretch, pick that team to cover in each scenario, you would have won. But I got cute, and I said, hey, this is the playoffs we're talking about. This is when goofy things start happening. This is when... You know, it, it doesn't matter what you were doing. This is playoff football. This is when, I, why I ever picked the Steelers to cover. I'll never in my life understand it. Although I felt pretty good at 7 nothing, I was like, this is what I was talking about. You can't trust the Chiefs. Right up until the Chiefs scored like five touchdowns in the span of seven minutes or something like that. And then I said, oh, right, they can still do that. Yeah, they're still the Chiefs. I, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, they're still that's still Patrick Mahomes. That's still... Travis Kelsey. It was kind of fun to watch the Steelers uh, defensive players make a lot of business decisions in that game <laughs> where they were like, we could go over and attempt, or we could just not. <laughs> like, hey, we know it doesn't matter. We're literally playing Ben Roethlisberger as a quarterback. You kind of have to feel for those guys who, like, couldn't say anything all year. Like, they couldn't be the ones to come out and say, like, we can't win with this guy because it's Ben Roethlisberger. You can't disrespect him that way. Right. But, like, you know they had to be feeling it all year, right? Like, you know all season long, every single one of those players had to have a moment where they were like, you know, we're really playing our brains out defensively. It'd uh, be really nice if we had a quarterback who could throw the ball downfield. Just would be a really swell scenario. And even, by the way, he continued his word salad nonsense after the game. He talked about, like, transitioning to a new stage of his life. But he still wouldn't just say the words, I'm retired. Like he's just leaving that that door open for some other team to be so desperate that they call him. The problem being at this point, if you're that desperate, you'd rather have Jameis Winston than Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback because Jameis Winston at least can still throw the ball downfield, right? Like that's the issue. You can tell he would desperately love. He knows the Steelers won't have him as the quarterback anymore, but he would just love if the the Panthers couldn't come up with a real quarterback and needed to call him. He would love to keep playing football. And so that's the reason why he won't just say the words, I'm retired. It's over. Like he just won't say it because he would love that. He just, he's got to know they ain't calling. Is this going to be one of those situations where in like June, we're like, Ben's been working out all off season. He looks great. I don't great. know. I think after he realizes nobody's calling, like, my God. <laughs> you right. think Ben Roethlisberger is going to work out all offseason? Yeah, You've seen Ben Roethlisberger? For F's sake. So, when he had a job, he wouldn't do that. There's no chance he's going to do it when he doesn't have a job. Somebody tweeted out yesterday. Uh, and I, do, I do, By the way, I do still think he's still under contract at the Steelers. So I think he would. Th there would have to be, for something like that to occur, they would have to formally. I think at some point when he realizes nobody wants him, 
mm-hmm. he'll try to save some face by holding a formal you know retirement press conference at that point it's just a weird bit that he won't just use the words that makes me feel like it's because he's holding out some sliver of hope he's willing to talk about moving on and transitioning and, and knowing it was his final game in Pittsburgh because it's abundantly clear they've had the conversation like dude mm-hmm. we we gave you far longer than we should have we showed you more deference than was ever healthy for this organization. It's over. Like, it's just over now. Understand it's over. And he doesn't want it to be embarrassing. He doesn't want to get fired. He doesn't want to get released. He's hoping someone throws him a, a, a lifeboat. Right. He's hoping that someone or a life, what are they, life vest. That's what I meant to say there. He's hoping someone throws him a life vest. Like, he's hoping that there's that, that Washington is so incompetent in how they run their organization that they say, well, we, we can't get a real quarterback. Let's let's go grab Roethlisberger. They he was a winner. I understand yeah. that, but even they at this like, point. My God. Like, Donovan McNabb had more left at the point when he went to Washington than Ben Ben Roethlisberger is beyond done. Like, mm-hmm. done was two years ago. He's at the point where it's just sad, right? Like, I don't even like Ben Roethlisberger, and it's uncomfortable for me. It's uncomfortable right. for people. It was it was a bad look for the NFL for that to be the product that they were putting out in front of a large audience last night. Like, it was a horrible look for the NFL that here's what we have to offer you is a guy that can't play. Um but it's what it is. I, I I know there's been a lot made of the seven seeds and the fact that the Eagles and Steelers both got their asses handed to them. And yeah, don't get me wrong, that was was certainly embarrassing. And there's been a lot made about, well, this is why you don't need seven teams in the playoffs. You're not going to get me to join on that. I, I'm going to want more football no matter what. I'm always going to want more football. And some of it is 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 silly luck, right? Like if something happens a different way at the end of that game on Sunday night, it's the Chargers in that football game. And I think everybody would believe the Chargers would have been far more. Or maybe it was actually going to be the Raiders if it had been a tie. Would it have been a, the Raiders would have been the seventh seed if it had been a tie? And the Raiders probably are more competitive with the Chiefs, although they weren't obviously in two meetings this season. The Raiders are probably more competitive with the Chiefs than than the you know the Steelers were, but. There will be a year where something wonky will happen, but this is the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that the two seed is vastly better than the seven seed. Like that—that's the way. It, what happens in the NCAA tournament? The two seeds normally hammer the fifteen seeds, right? Mm-hmm. But every now and then, a fifteen seed competes with a two seed. I'm not trying to say that you can create that feeling in the NFL playoffs, but every now and then it occurs, and that's what makes it great. And we kind of have to live with that in the NFL playoffs. For the most part, it's probably going to be this. It's probably going to be that the seven seed, it's not really a team that belonged in the playoffs. It's not really a team that deserved to be there. It's more a mediocre football team. But every now and then, that mediocre football team will be the team that's playing better down the stretch that got in that way and will be competitive because of it. And, and that's okay. Maybe what they should learn is to make sure that both of the seven seeds are playing afternoon games. Like that the first Saturday game should be a seven seed and the first Sunday game should be a seven seed. Maybe that what they should learn is to keep the seven seeds out of prime time, for example. That that was obviously really bad. And I sort of get it. Patrick Mahomes is the biggest star and you know Ben Roethlisberger's final game is a storyline, so I kind of understand why NBC would want it. But the NFL might have needed to step in and say, yeah, this is going to be a bludgeoning. 
I don't think that's really a game we want to put on network TV. And I and I I certainly understand that there were only two games this weekend that weren't bludgeoning, so bludgeoning, so it'd be hard to get them both into prime time. Um, you're just not going to get me a campaign for less football. Like you you can't. I couldn't possibly do that. I'm not telling you I need more necessarily. Like if you want, if you want this to be your evidence that the NFL doesn't need to expand to an eighth playoff team, yeah, I mean, okay. I don't. At no point have I said I think they need to expand to an eighth playoff team. I I don't I don't know that I think they do. I still think at some point they might try it because we were all watching. No matter how lopsided the games were, we were all watching them. Every single one of them, all weekend long, we were watching because it was what was on. So if there were two more, if they put one on Friday night and another one on Saturday and they had all eight teams in both leagues playing the first weekend of the playoffs, they'd probably get us to watch that too. So if they do it, they do it. I'm not campaigning for it, and I think if you want to use this as evidence that they don't need to add an eighth team, I'm fine with that. But if you try to use this as evidence that they should take away one of these games, nah, I'm not going to agree with you on that. Not going to agree with you on that. I also heard people trying to use this as like evidence. Well, this is why the college football playoff doesn't need to expand. Stop. Stop. That, these two things have nothing to do with each other. Stop it. We're just looking to say anything. This is the say anything portion. We, we, uh, we're on Twitter, and I kind of wrote about that um, in my column that's coming today, which is more about Lamar Jackson. I referenced the, we just want to say something for the sake of saying. On, a, on Saturday night, I, I nearly sent a tweet that said something like, um, uh, Joe, Joe Burrow looks phenomenal. Josh Allen pulls down Bill Belichick's pants and spanks him on national TV. And some Ravens fans are like, well, maybe we could go with Tyler Huntley. And I didn't hit send because I was like, God, that's, it's over. Don't, we don't need to, I don't need to do that. I don't need to go there any longer. Nobody's actually still calling for Tyler Huntley to be the quarterback of the Ravens. I was more trying to make a point about how good these AFC quarterbacks look, and we saw it all throughout the weekend. All three quarterbacks that, that won look brilliant, and they're all still young enough that they're going to be a problem for a long time to come in the AFC. And, yes, Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback of the other team, who, as we acknowledge, in Tennessee has played quite well, but is the outlier amongst this group, right? Like, he's the outlier where he's not particularly young and particularly dynamic and maybe the titans still end up winning i don't know it's possible i think most of us are betting against it but it's still possible that the titans um end up making a run towards the super bowl but i think the takeaway in watching the weekend in the afc was these are the guys they're going to be going up against them for years to come and you have to have extraordinarily high level quarterback play because of it which Lamar Jackson offers you when he's right. When Lamar Jackson's right, he's an extraordinarily high-level MVP caliber quarterback. So go get him signed. Go figure out what you're going to do moving forward. You should be in pretty good shape as long as you don't lose your entire football team. But this is what you're up against for the next five, maybe ten years in some cases. You're up against Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. We all assume Justin Herbert's going to be a part of it, although you know the Chargers do have a bit of a curse that sort of lingers over them, and there was a limitation. Phillip Rivers was really good, and there was still a limitation. He couldn't even get to a Super Bowl. This is what you're up against. This is... And and there might be more, you know? like I, We're all kind of poo-pooing this year's draft class, but 
you know, maybe Kenny Pickett really is that good. We poo-poo Justin Herbert when he was coming out in the draft. Maybe Matt Coral is really that good. Maybe Desmond Ritter is really that good. And if they are, and one of those guys ends up in Pittsburgh, that's adding one more guy to the list. We'll see. We'll see. But watching the playoffs this weekend was a reminder of the AFC quarterbacks are really, really good. The young quarterbacks are really good, and they're going to be a problem for a while to come. Um, and that's what you're up against. That's the biggest takeaway that I had from watching that. And the NFC, I didn't really have a lot of takeaways. That was the worst game I remember seeing Dak Prescott play. I I thought he looked terrible. All they didn't game. look great. I mean, they didn't run the ball either. Like, yeah. they, they finally, at the end of the first half, they're like, maybe we should run the ball. And <laughs> they put together a touchdown drive, and you're like, okay, maybe this will be a game. And I guess technically it was a game at the end. Um, but they just never sustained that as the, the game went on. They never figured that out. Um, look, credit. One thing that we don't talk about enough is how much winning Jimmy Garoppolo has done. Like he has been synonymous with winning. When he plays, he wins. He's never brilliant necessarily. Like you never see him and say to yourself, "Man, that guy is a rock star." But he wins. Like it's it's just sort of crazy the way that works. And I absolutely think they have the opportunity to go to Green Bay and be competitive in that football game. Will they win? I don't know. But I think they have the opportunity to. Um, the the thing at the end of the game was was wonky as hell. I mean, I, I there's twofold. Everybody's killing the Cowboys for the play call. I completely disagree. I thought it was a great call. It was there. It was to be had. You had plenty of time that you should have been able to get up and spike the ball and give yourself one more play. They were defending the sidelines at that point. You realized you were down to two plays. What's the difference is the second play gets run with six seconds left or with one second left? You got two plays. So use one, go get a bunch of yards, get down. And it should have worked. And we can all make fun of the Cowboys all we want, but, like, that was, that was goofy what occurred with the official running in like that. That was goofy. And I get it. We'd rather just make fun of the Cowboys than, like, deal with that, but... That was goofy, and I don't know that they got screwed necessarily as much as that type of thing shouldn't happen in an NFL game. There should be an ability to say there was reasonable time to get the ball set there. The ball just wasn't set, and the official was just guessing. Let me come up here and move the ball for the sake of moving it. The and official had no idea where the ball was supposed to be. And he marked it, and then pulled it back and that's right. a split second that could have gotten correct a play and i'm not again i'm not i don't feel sorry for the cowboys and like the thing they did earlier with the fake punt that's on them to leave their punt team out on the field for another 15 seconds instead of just pulling the punt team off the field and getting the offense back on that's on that's embarrassing it's just embarrassing and a failure on their part but at the end of the game, I actually like that call. Would it have mattered? I don't know. It's really hard in one play, throw a 25-yard touchdown. So I don't know that it would have mattered ultimately, but that was goofy as hell. Everything about that was goofy and was a bad look for the NFL. In a play. It, it looked like a bunch of people that don't really understand how football is supposed to operate. And I get it. Like You're not supposed to give a team an extra second in that situation, but it's still bad for the entire NFL for things to look that way. Um and then, you know, obviously the, the Buccaneers were the Buccaneers and the Eagles were the Eagles in the other game. So what do you want to say there? That was kind of what was always going to happen. But some idiot bet on the Eagles to cover. God, I was feeling so good. When they started scoring points at the end, 
And I was like, oh, man, if they can just go down here, all they got to do is go down, get a touchdown on a two-point conversion at the end, and I'm getting the greatest backdoor cover in the history of football. It's it, it, it's 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 Tom Brady, and you have Mike Evans back. Well, they they realize just throw, throw the ball to Mike Evans on every play. Whereas the Eagles were like, you know, we've got a good receiver. Let's never throw the ball to him ever. Let's not. Let's just not do that. And let's not hand it off to Miles Sanders either. While God, we're at it. wretched, just wretched. All right. Um, you know what's not wretched is uh, we got an event coming up this Sunday. I'm really excited about this. I've been telling you for a while about the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland, which is open and is awesome. The food is great. The atmosphere is incredible. You can make a day of it. they got, like, the massage chairs you can relax in. They've got lounge areas for you to hang out in. They've got tables. they got the bar area. And you can bet on all the games. they got self-service kiosks. So if, for example, yesterday you wanted to bet on the Steelers, you would never need to tell another human being that you were betting on the Steelers. That could be between you and the machine. It's a great place. And coming up this Sunday... The first game of the day is the 3 o'clock game on Sunday. It's the one the Buccaneers will be hosting, and we'll figure out who their opponent is after tonight. And I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be there with my friend, the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, hanging out, watching the game, helping you guys figure out some things that maybe you want to think about betting on as the game goes on. Joining us now here on GCR, she is the aforementioned NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, and she's back with us on GCR. Rita, what's going on, friend? How are you? Good morning, Glenn. How are you? You sound like you had a weekend. Did you have a weekend, Rita? I might have had a weekend. You might have had a weekend. <laughs> you sound like someone. Might have someone. had a moment of a weekend. You sound like someone who had a weekend. It's good to talk to you. I'm looking forward to this. We're going to be hanging out at, are you, okay, how much of a gambler are you, Rita? Um, I'm a very passive gambler. That's what I thought. Um, I, so it's not that I don't, um, but I just, you know, it, I, it, I don't know if you know this story, but everybody else around me does. I had a winning ticket two years ago, um, went to bed and thought I had a winning ticket. Um, I, all I needed was like Oklahoma minus 10 against somebody like Kansas State or something at the time. Um, went to bed in the fourth quarter. They was up by 21. I said, oh, we'll pick up my money in the morning, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, woke up How'd that the go? next day, yeah. and they lost. I mean, excuse me, they won by two. Mm, mm, mm. And Glenn, I'd had a coming to terms moment at that moment. You were like, because yeah. to see something taken right away from you, like right. you were right there. It was like 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. You were right there, and to lose in that type of fashion really crushed my soul. Yeah. Now, do I still bet every now and again? Yes, but that really crushed. I mean, that was that was going to give me a nice little payout, and that broke my heart. My heart is broken. Is there because we're gonna be there hanging out? Can I get you to put in a bet or two on something? Absolutely. Okay. I'm a be- I mean, I literally, I just All bet right. this weekend. I All just right. bet this past All weekend. Right. I didn't right. win Good. no money, but, Good. Um, Good. yeah, like, I- I'll still put bets in. I'm just saying, like, I'm, I used to probably do it a little bit more back then. I was a more consistent with it, and now I'm just like, 
you know, I got some disposable money. I'll go ahead and put $20 on this bet. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't doing it like I used to, like on a weekly basis. I understand that. I understand that. By the way, I changed in the season this year. I was doing really well. I was, I was, was, And then one week was all it took for me to be like, I think I'm going to cool off for a little bit. I think right. I'm going to take a few weekends off. And then we'll see. Next, next Sunday might be the problem. I might get the taste again. <laughs> and then yep. it might be ali, ali, oxen free. So now you're in the element. So, and so when you're in the element, you want to, you know, when in Rome, you oh, know, yeah. they say. Oh, yeah. So, you know, prop bets, all of those, you know, just stuff you might do. Because I know I'm probably going to want to do it myself. So, oh, you yeah. know. There'll that. be lots of that. There'll be lots of that on Sunday. We want you to come hang out with us. And and it's just going to be cool. It's going to be um, literally a hangout event. Uh, Reed and I will be sort of pointing out uh, things you can be betting on during the course of the game. We'll be doing some of our shtick that you're used to from Project Game Day. We'll do that during the uh, the change quarters and at halftime of that game on Sunday. We'll be doing some of that type of content. But we'll be in the FanDuel Sportsbook hanging out with you guys. And if you you know this, the other thing, Rita, I think sometimes we forget that there are people that genuinely don't know how to bet. Like that, they're they're, they're football fans, they're sports fans, but because it's never been legal in the state of Maryland, they've just never done it. Unlike uh, the the rest of us that are terrible people and, and figured out how to do it anyway. Um, so we'll help you with that. That's the other thing that we'll do on Sunday. If you're someone who's wanted to get into sports betting, you wanted to learn how it works, you don't fully understand all the little numbers. We're going to help you out with that on Sunday as well while we're hanging out at Live Casino Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook. So come join us this Sunday, 3 o'clock, for the Buccaneers game, and we'll know who the opponent is after tonight. Um, Come hang out with us this Sunday. Rita and I will be at the Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover in the FanDuel Sportsbook, and we will be having a day. We will be having a day on Sunday. It should be fun. It should be really fun. All right. If you've never been to see us live, then, you know, if they didn't come to the tie shows in the past, but, you know, they like how we go back and forth here or at Project Game Day, you know, it'll be cool because then you get to see us in person. Exactly. Exactly (laughs) right. All right, so what was your biggest takeaway from the weekend? What was the biggest thing that jumped out in you? Obviously, the game sucked, but what was your biggest takeaway from the weekend? The biggest takeaway is that the NFL is full of crap um, and that this seventh team should not exist. Okay, all right. This, you and I are going to fight now, and I'm good. I'm glad. I'm glad I won. And, and that's fine, um, but Philadelphia doesn't belong there. Of course not. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Leave the seventh team out. I know you wanted to get your little extra games in, you know, because of money, and that's fine, but they did not turn out to be good games. You're never, you'll never, ever, ever get me to campaign for fewer football games, Rita. You can't get me to I do that. I understand, I understand the thought, Glenn. I get it. I understand the thought. I understand, like, you know, we love football, and it's playoff football, and so we're getting more games. The problem is that I'm bored out of my mind, okay? And that's where I – look, I I, don't, I think, you know, yesterday we tr- started watching the, the Eagles game. I don't remember finishing it. Like, I, don't, I think it was just background noise at one point. It was so bad. The Steelers game was the same way. Like, you are – I mean, I didn't think that they were going to get blown out the way that they did a few weeks ago um, against Kansas City. But you knew they weren't going to win, and you knew that the, the Chiefs was at least going to win by two scores, right? So what was the point of watching that game? And Ben looked the way that we thought that he did. He did not look good. And I'm not interested in watching bad football, Glenn. Like, I, I'm just I get not, it. And, I, and I, I get it. I know that we love the sport. I get that two more games is perfect. I understand the logic. 
I'm sorry I was bored out of my mind with them seven seeds. I understand. Leave me alone. I understand. I'm just like if it had been the Colts or the Chargers, I don't think it would have been quite that bad, right? Okay, like, fine. I don't think I, I I think some of that was just dumb luck, the way that it went. That the Steelers were the team that was sitting there as the seven seed at the end of the day, right? Like, well, what about the what about the Eagles? Then? I get it. I the get only it. People that they had were the um, Saints that was kind of anywhere. Yeah, the Saints probably would have, and the Saints would have probably got. Although it's the Buccaneers, and the Saints always beat the Buccaneers. So go oh, figure, right. right? Like if it had been the Saints, it actually probably would have been a pretty good football game, despite the it fact that none of us, been, yep. none of us really had any interest in watching the Saints. There, there were a, there was a year in there where in the eleven and five team didn't make the playoffs. Uh, because the teams were so good, yeah. And, and oh, you know, that, 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 oh, that, that, yeah, New England, right? And and that that um that Patriots Bills game on Saturday was a dumpster fire for the Patriots. Yeah, and they weren't the, the, the seventh Bills, seed, right? Yeah, and and th- and they weren't the seventh seed. So, I mean, blowouts will happen every now and again if a team is just has that momentum and is on fire. But I I don't, I don't think that we should say take away that seventh seed because one year that seventh seed could be a team that could have just as easily been a four seed but and missed out by one game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, y'all not gonna get me to agree with that. Sorry, I like the two. I like having two round buys. I like I, even numbers. Just makes more sense to me. Like I get so, it, we get more football, but it's not good football. I'm just not okay, I'm so so Rita, what I'm willing to give is that I have no interest in that. I, I've always thought they wanted to get it to eight, right? Like, I have always thought they eventually wanted to get it to eight because it's a round number, right? It's a nice even yeah. number. I've always thought they wanted to get there. And and what I'll give you is I think this is the best argument for why, nah, nah, we, we don't need to be doing that. We don't need to be doing that. But inherently, inherently I don't I, – I get it. I know it was bad. I know the totality of it with those two games being blowouts and then throwing in the Bills thing on top of it. It just made for a bad weekend of football viewing. But at the end of the day, I would still rather have – you know, lopsided football to watch. and it's, What else am I doing? It's January, Rita. The hell else am I doing? I ain't going out. It's miserable outside. I'm not doing that. Like, what else am <laughs> it I It reminds me of, like, you know, you know I love college football. I'm yes. a huge college football fan. And when they first started the expansion, I felt like six teams would be it. I felt like it should be five power five champions and a wild card, right? And, um... It was great to see two different teams be in there this year, but the one thing that I learned that confirmed what I always thought but didn't want to really, you know, believe is that, um, you know, everybody just isn't built the way that maybe the SEC or Ohio State or at the time Clemson is. And maybe the four round, the round robin works better because, you know, and not the expansion, because the drop-off is so dramatic from, you know, SEC, Clemson, Ohio State to everybody else that, yeah, I thought the expansion thing was a good idea, but you know what? It's going to be bad. For, it's going to be some bad football. Like Cincinnati, that was a great story. Hey, guys, you know. But, you know, in hindsight, you kind of knew that was going to happen because they didn't play anybody of, of relevance. And then Michigan kind of got lucky, you know, in I that regard. It. I get it. I kind of knew that right. that was going to happen, too, you know? I read, and I saw a lot of people making that comparison yesterday. And and I know I know that there is undoubted that if you went to eight teams in the college football playoff, you would end up getting, in those first four games, you know, the, 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 the 1-8, 2-7 games would almost certainly be blowouts. But I do think that you'd have, 
like what, what would what would Michigan you know who would they have been playing this year Oklahoma State I think that would have been a competitive game right like that's a I, nice bowl game though that's a nice bowl but, game but nobody have, cares but, about it as a bowl game a nice, I understand that's but not nobody, a nice college football playoff game I, you know that I know I mean I don't this year no probably <laughs> probably wouldn't have been but I do think there are years where there would have been those Matt my point I. I I still will come down on this is it's a TV show to me, right? Like I need a better. I'm at home because uh, as uh, to quote uh, the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, I'm washed, right? Like it's <laughs> over for me. I got young kids. I ain't going out. It's the t- it's cold outside, Rita. It gets dark at like three in the afternoon. I'm not doing anything else. I'm at home. So if my choice for TV viewing on like a Thursday night in late December. Is uh, Louisiana Lafayette taking on Western Michigan in the in the Camellia Bowl, or it's a college football playoff game between Michigan and Oklahoma State, or even if it's between Alabama and you know Houston? Sign me up for that because it's just I'm more into it from the TV show perspective. I need better TV shows in my life because my life is otherwise over, Rita. I need better TV shows. And look, I get that, too, because I am a person that doesn't watch a lot of live TV. I don't watch, I mean, a lot of regular TV. I watch a lot of live sports. Right. So, yes, I get it. Um, But how do you find a way to get a better product? Like, I'm sorry. Yes, the Ravens lost their last five, six games. But you can't tell me that 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 they weren't wouldn't have been a better matchup, or even maybe Miami against um, the the Chiefs. You sure. know, and, the, and that's right, the or the Chargers, right? You know what I mean? But, like, the, but Rita, I think that's the point of it. Like, I think some of this was dumb luck this year, right? Like, I I don't think most years. The seventh team, maybe, and I don't know most years, I don't think every year the seventh team is going to be a team that doesn't have a quarterback capable of throwing the football, right? And that's really what the problem was. The problem was we knew we had to sit down and watch a team that was trying to win without having a quarterback. And you just can't do that any longer in the NFL, right? Like You can't do that. There's no world in which you can win without having a quarterback who can throw the ball. So if Lamar Jackson stays healthy this year, um, then the Ravens get in, then I don't think it's nearly the same story. And I, I just, I'm willing to chalk it up to a dumb luck thing this year where the, the Steelers were a terrible seven seed, and I get it. I also think part of the problem, really, Rita, and I talked about this in this column today, the quarterback picture has never been bleaker in the NFL. Like, there have never been so few franchise quarterbacks in, in the modern era. You know, like, in, since we moved into the Manning, Brady, You've got to have a quarterback in order to be able to win. Like, there are maybe half the teams in the league right now that feel really good about their quarterback situation. Maybe, maybe half the teams in the league. Um, I, I think that's part of the problem that we saw play out this season is we really define whether or not a team has a chance based on who their quarterback is. And yeah. when you look at Jalen Hurts and you look at Ben Roethlisberger, and you know, I know Jalen Hurts certainly was better than Ben Roethlisberger, but there's still a limitation there. I think we all know that. Yeah. Um, you knew what you were getting. They didn't have him, and if they don't have a quarterback, we don't think they have a chance. So yeah. I, I think that that I I also think that three years ago there were 20 good quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think that'll be the case again at some point. I know we're all poo-pooing this year's quarterback class, but inevitably one of them is going to end up being like Justin Herbert, and everybody's going to trash. Everybody's going to say, you know, you don't don't use a top ten pick on Kenny Pickett, and then Kenny Pickett's going to be a great quarterback. But whoever it is, right, Desmond right. Ritter, one of these guys 
is not going to be talked about as a top five type of guy in this draft. He's going to turn out to be a really good quarterback in the coming years. Um, so I just think, I, I really do think some of it's dumb luck, and that's why I'm not, you're not going to get me to say abandon the seventh playoff team and abandon having a day full of football on a Sunday. That, that I knew it was going to snow yesterday, and I could come home from one to 11 o'clock and watch football, even as bad as it was for most of the day. <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not getting me to give that up, or at least campaign to give that up. Okay. All right. I mean, you you feel strong about it, so you know who am I to judge? <laughs> this is you know what this is. You need to be honest about this. This is about you having an adult kid and not having to be a parent right anymore. Like you can let him do his own thing, and so you can actually do things with your life again. You can actually, <laughs> you can spend your time in other ways. You can have yourself a weekend. You can go out to brunch. You can do what you want to do, Rita. And I'm stuck at home, and the joy that I have left is telling the boys, hey, shut up for a second. Dad's trying to watch football. That's what I've got. But look, boy, like the game was on all week. Like the games were on and wherever I was all weekend. It was either in the background or, or you know, whatever. And so it, it, with only – you know, the only game that I was like, uh, okay, I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing how this goes. I feel like the the, the away team is going to win was the San Fran game. Yeah. And that's the only one that, like, literally comes to my mind in terms of, like, being watchable. I mean, you, I you know, everything else was just like, wow, we had a lot of football yes, uh, this weekend. That's the only game that that's memorable to me. That's, come on, that's man. Right. And then right. the situation with the um, – oh, well, the, the Raiders and, and Bengals game wasn't that bad, but it just – it it moved funny. I can't really explain it, but like it felt like, you know, Vegas was getting going to get skull drag, but then somehow they just kept staying around. It was weird. It was a weird game, you know. But then you got bad officiating, and I just need them to clean this up, man. Just clean it up. All right. Um, Sunday afternoon, you and me hanging out. Live Casino Hotel, FanDuel Sportsbook for the Buccaneers game. We want everybody to come down and join us. It's going to be a fun day, hanging out, watching the game, getting in bets. And, um, you know, it, it, that's all we want. We want to come. It, it, we, we enjoy. I know it's been a weird time. We're going to wear masks. We're going to do everything safely. But we want to have a fun day of hanging out and watching what we're hoping will be a better football game. Yeah, than what please, please, and thank this you. Weekend. At the NFL Chick <laughs> on Twitter, the Gridiron Gals podcast. Rita, love you. Uh, we'll talk on Sunday. Thanks for taking a couple minutes this morning. Sure, Glenn. Love you, too. And can't wait to see you on Sunday. Sounds good. The NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, uh, checking in with us again. We will be hanging out at Live Casino and Hotel on Sunday afternoon. Come join us for that. All right, why don't we, when we come back in, I put it out on Twitter. We didn't last week because I was out for a day. We never got around to doing the season-long pats on the ass and slaps to the helmet. So why don't we, when we come back in, let's try to be positive first. Let's save the negative energy. Let's do pats first. We'll come back in, do pats on the ass for the whole year. And then we'll get to the part where we beat everybody up later on. So that's coming up next. Same rules as always apply, which really kind of screwed me on this one um, because there's somebody I had to leave off because of it. But we'll we'll get to that next. Pat's on the ass. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. 
Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice, it's your career. Call 443 840 4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Monday edition of the program. Today's show is also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. I, yeah, it's a bummer. Obviously, hit on that Stefan Diggs uh, prop, but uh, I played the over on Joe Burrow's passing yards, and he came up just like 10 yards short. Like 10 yards short. So that sucked. <laughs> but it was still fun to play. It was still fun to feel something as I was watching the games on Saturday. Uh, underdog fantasy football will and they do those type of you know kz tries to point them out to me when they pop up where they'll do these things where they'll put out a number that's specifically meant to get you to play it right like they're giving you a free one to get you to play it and you know it didn't work out for me but i guarantee it worked out for a lot of people this weekend a lot of people made money because they played stefan diggs with one receiving yard and i bet this weekend for the games they'll do another prop like that 
where they'll just put out something that's obviously meant to be and sometimes they do it right before the game start they'll they'll put out a teaser like that and say everybody look at it and say well that's a really low number that's a really really known low number i gotta play that so i'd encourage you to sign up and if you haven't signed up yet then use the code pressbox and we'll match up to $100 on your first deposit with free money for you to play with. Underdog Fantasy Football, it's not just the daily and weekly games, the fantasy games. It's also player props, parlays. It ain't betting. Like, you can't go put money on a team to win the game or to cover. But that type of stuff, the player props, the parlays, that makes you feel like you're betting, which you still can't do on your phone or on your computer in the state of Maryland. But you can play Underdog Fantasy Football underdogfantasy.com all right season long pats on the ass for the baltimore ravens we've been holding off on this rules remain the same two offensive players two defensive players and your fifth is a wild card it's another offensive player another defensive player a special teams player or a coach Uh, i'll begin it's frustrating that the rules require a second defensive player because truthfully there is not a warranted second defensive player there's one defensive player who game, you know, from 1 to 17, or if you want to say from game week 1 to week 18, really deserve to make the list, but there's just one. So the second one, you kind of have to to squint. And a lot of people are putting Adafi Owe on because, you know, he made the huge play against Kansas City, and for a stretch he played really well. But it's really hard to find anyone who played well from week 1 to week 18 defensively bes- besides the one guy. Um, I ultimately said the closest thing I think you can find to that is Calais Campbell. I think he was the closest to someone who played well from week one to week 18. Um, and some of that maybe is is based on expectations. Like You keep thinking Calais Campbell. You've got to be approaching the end with Calais Campbell. And he keeps playing well. Um, and the Ravens were really still good against the run this season. And, you know, Brandon Williams still played really well. And we just kind of like to pretend like he doesn't. Um, they were still really good against the run for the most part this year, and a lot of that has to do with the presence of Calais Campbell when he plays, of course. So Calais Campbell was just good enough um, on a, in a, a list where I acknowledge he's not really one of the top five players the Ravens had this season, but requiring a second defensive player, Calais Campbell was my number five. Yeah, I originally had him as my number five, and then I realized I had a duh moment because the guy that you're talking about is the one obvious defensive player – I didn't think about him at first. I was like, I have to put him on the list. Mm-hmm. So I took him off. I took Calais Campbell off, and I put Chuck Clark on. Okay, I'm fine with Chuck Clark, another one that's come up a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like he had – he didn't have a bad year. He didn't have a great year. Yeah, but unfortunately, it, but, it, it ended too early, obviously. Yeah. You know. You, you saw the difference that was made when he wasn't on the field. because He, he came in and had some really nice plays the last two weeks when he got back from the, from the yep. COVID reserve list. Yep. Um, no, t- Chuck Clark played really well. I'm not going to disagree with that. He was definitely one that I considered in that. Um, my number four is the other guy, of course, that's Tyus Bowser, who is the one guy that was truly deserving as far as defensive players from week one to week 18. Um, no one, it's not even close. No one had as good of a season as Tyus Bowser did. Uh, just awful the way the season ended. Um, you, you hope, you hope, I mean, this is 2022, I I think there are a lot of people that are, are being particularly dramatic about it. Like I'm worried about next season. I'm really not. Um, you know, I haven't talked to Tyus yet. I'm, you know, I'm trying to give him space, and we'll talk at some point. Um, and he won't know. He won't know what the timetable is. Mm. But I, I just don't. I I think we've learned enough about the Achilles to know that like the timeline probably works out. That the start of next season, like you know, are you going to see him for OTAs? No. 
Are you going to see him in training camp? Probably not, but that's okay. Maybe towards the end. Maybe, but I would almost be surprised, right? Like, I, mean, I would almost, like, maybe if if they feel good about it and want to stick him out there, I think when I say tra- I think we're, training camp ends three weeks before the season begins or two weeks before the season begins. Oh, that's I, right. I, I think, think of the whole thing. I think you'll see him maybe get on the practice field. I think it's possibly could be on the practice field before the season begins, but there's they don't need Tyus Bowser to be on the field during training yeah. camp. They don't need him to play in the preseason games. He's Tyus Bowser. He's proven what he's going to do. Um, you know, yes, there's risk involved. Of course there's risk, and there's risk in him coming back too early and, you know, causing more of a problem. I'm not terrified about it. Um, not today, anyway. But Tyus Bowser's number four because he was the best defensive player this team had. I mean, what, what month did Suggs tear his ACL? I mean, not ACL, his yeah, Achilles, and, and he came back by, like, November. And, and that, you know, like, he he came back and played poorly. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he was not good. It's the, it's the hilarious part about looking back on that being the season they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, they don't want to force Tyus. It's not – they would they would say – you know, like, we don't need Tyus Bowser in week one. We need him by the middle of the season, right? right? Like, we, the problem being, they don't have enough impact players otherwise. And it's something we'll talk about a little bit later on when we get to slaps. Like, they, they lack impact players defensively. They, they do. We can't hide from that. They don't have impact players. There have been there are signs, right? Like, Patrick Queen had moments this year where he looked like an impact player. Adafi Owe had moments this year where he looked like an impact player. We think... Marlon Humphrey, if healthy next year, will get back to being an impact player. We would have hoped that Marcus Peters, if he had been healthy this season, would have been an impact player. But they need impact players on the field, plain and simple. Yeah. They need more of them. So, Tyus Bowser was also my number four. It's the yeah. best defensive player the Ravens had this year. Um, the bummer about having to put a special teams player on the list, because we do not acknowledge Justin Tucker is that it means you can't put a third offensive player on the list and I do think there were arguments to be made about a warranted third offensive player but because of the formula of how we do this list it is kind of a what it is situation Kevin Zeitler is my number three Kevin Zeitler was phenomenal I mean he was phenomenal this season there's no getting around it for as many problems as the Ravens had up front they didn't come from Kevin Zeitler he didn't allow sacks he he was tremendous all season long. For as critical as we can be about Alejandro Villanueva, and trust me, we're gonna get there. This goes down in a in a in a vacuum, right? Like understanding Kevin Zeitler is probably not gonna be here for eight years, but this on paper is one of the great free agent signings in Ravens history. Kevin Zeitler was an effing home run, and he was a cut player that didn't cost you a compensatory pick. I mean, this is insane how good this worked out. Kevin Zeitler was – I don't even have the words. It, it, we never said the name Kevin Zeitler all season long because he was never a problem. Kevin Zeitler, number three on this list. I went back and forth for my number three, um, and I ultimately decided on Justin Tucker uh, just because – he did what he does every year, which is be the best kicker in football – but he had a 66-yard field goal that won a football game, and he was at points your best offensive weapon next to Mark. I mean, Andrews. you have to do it. Like, do he's number two on my list. When doing the job from week one to week 18, and and that's ultimately sort of the way that I had to put this list together is who did their job the best from week one to week 18. Mm-hmm. 
because it's, it's when we talk about most valuable player, it's almost a, a LARF, right? Because the quarterback's always going to be the most valuable player. And the truth is the Ravens probably wouldn't have won as many games as they did without Lamar Jackson playing as well as he did for a stretch this season. But Lamar Jackson didn't play well from week one to week 18. And so because of that, I ended up leaving him off the list. Justin Tucker played well from week one to week 18. Justin Tucker did his job at an absurdly high level from week one to week 18. There is simply no debate about that. Right. And so, yeah, he's number two on my list because of it. Zeitler was number two on my list because of the same reasons you said. I think his, the, the numbers that he had were gaudy. I think that, I don't think he had a lot of sack. I, don't, I mean, this, I, this I, at I one point he pressures. had a lot of pressure, right? right. Like it, for a while, he hadn't allowed a single pressure all year long. And I don't remember when it was that he finally did allow one. It's Nuts! He was he how was good very Kevin good. Zeitler he was. was very good. And and to your point, Lamar's left off my list for the same reasons. He was he they probably aren't even sniffing the playoffs without him, but the way he played down the stretch, you can't put him on a on a pat's on I, the ass. You know, list. if if I didn't put Justin Tucker on and I had to put a third offensive player on, that would have been trickier for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would have considered mm-hmm. Bradley Bozeman. Um I would have considered I would have had to like, nobody we don't want to talk about it. But we, we're doing a weird bit the way that we talk about Hollywood Brown, by the way. Like, we're doing a bit where we make it seem like he's not good. And that's a bad bit. Hollywood Brown is a highly productive, quality NFL wide receiver. It is a bad bit the way that we talk about Hollywood Brown. And I absolutely would have had to consider him. And I get it. We, we have this, we have, we're having an awkward conversation about Hollywood Brown because of who he isn't. He isn't DK Metcalf. He isn't A.J. Brown. He isn't... Terry McLaurin even, some of these other, Debo Samuel, some of these other players that were drafted after he was that the Ravens could have had. Now, what those players would have been in Baltimore, I don't know. But we know what they become in other places, and we're disappointed that Hollywood Brown isn't those guys. But in doing that, we're pretending like Hollywood Brown isn't a good quality NFL wide receiver. Hollywood Brown is definitely better than Sammy Watkins' ever was outside of his first season. And Sammy Watkins was a guy we were talking about wanting to have come to Baltimore. There's there's no... Hollywood Brown's a better football player. We all remember Sammy Watkins was a high draft pick and had one productive year, and then we just sort of pretended like Sammy Watkins was still a really good football player when he wasn't. Hollywood Brown's still a good football player. We just don't want to acknowledge it. I'm very interested to see... Because you, you can you can even look at it and say Hollywood Brown's drop off this year coincided with Lamar's drop off, and I'm very interested to see with a healthy offensive line, a healthy Lamar Bateman with a full year under his belt, what Hollywood Brown looks like in this offense well, it, I, I, with, I, with everybody else is healthy. But I think we all, we think we we at this point understand there are limitations to his games. The, the, his yeah. game, there are things he's not going to do, and and those are problems. And I'm not trying to pretend like they're not. He's not a. He's never going to be a quote unquote number one receiver no. in the NFL. He doesn't have that skill set that we're talking about. That big. He's never going to be that player. But we talk about him like he's trash, and he ain't. And that's the problem that I have. Anyway, um, I, it would have been interesting for me if I had had a third offensive player. Who the next offensive player would have been? Because I think it might have ultimately ended up being Lamar, just because Probably. he was so important for so many wins. Look, obviously, number one is Mark Andrews. There's just no debate about that. Mark Andrews was this team's best football player from week one to week 18. We all saw it. Um, He's not – we're trying to do a bit now. We're trying to make Mark Andrews the best tight end in football. He's not. Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in football, and we can all see why. 
We all have eyes. We've all watched it for years. But Mark Andrews ain't far behind. And I don't know if he's number two because I would still probably say George Kittle's number two. George Kittle's got to stay on the field. I understand that. Like, you say that. You could say that about a lot of football yeah, players. You can. When George Kittle plays, and he, he's a monster. He's insane. So I don't know that Mark Andrews. But it's it's kind of irrelevant, right? Like he's right behind either the best or the two best tight ends in football. He's right there in the conversation, um, and that's remarkable. That's that's a remarkable thing that he's managed to do. And you know, the knock on Mark Andrews has been his best games, or the the Ravens' most important games haven't typically been his best games. And that's true. That's been true over the years. And so they did, he didn't get a chance to shed that say in the playoffs this year and have some monster postseason run. But you know, he's been so good. There's no reason to think that next year, if they're in the postseason, he wouldn't be that type of player. I agree. I thought that was a fairly easy. Yeah, that's that's that would be everybody's number one. Correct. Do you want to push um, slaps to after Ross? That's the plan. Okay. And we were separating okay. those. Gotcha. Yeah, that okay. was the plan. I, I wasn't sure. Yeah, that was the plan. So um, I got some of yours. For the most part, it's exactly what I expected to be. Although there were some random ones got that got thrown in there, like Brian threw in Brandon Stevens. Okay. I thought about uh, I mean, oh, like oh, oh, on on. Never mind. Go ahead. I, like I just can't. Fa- Brian's list has Patrick Queen and Brandon Stevens and doesn't have Tyus Bowser. Like I, I don't. I, I get it. Don't get me wrong. There were some good things that Brandon Stevens did this year, and I'm. I, I hope that he's becoming a football player. But pretending like Brandon Stevens had anything similar to the season that Tyus Bowser had is a weird bit. I think the thing with with Tyus Bowser and probably why he slipped my mind at first is because he does a lot of things well, and he, he doesn't do one particular thing great. And I think that that makes him not stand out to a lot of people. Oh, I, I don't understand what Brandon Stevens does great. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I think it's because he kind of stepped up there towards the I, end. Maybe, he didn't play well right. 1-18. to 18. Uh, Chuck Clark and, and Patrick. Again, this is in the, like, Sam Angel had Chuck Clark and Patrick Queen on the list and didn't have Tyus Bowles. It's such a weird bit. Like, again, I'm not trying to take a, a knock at, at those guys who I thought were good. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, Nick Kelly had Bowser at number two on his list. I I. I couldn't put him over, um, and, and Nick Kelly acknowledges he left Zeitler off, and he screwed up in that way. Crap, forgot about Zeitler, too. Um, and he put Lamar on his list instead. Yeah, it's tough. It's very tough. All right, continue to get me yours. We'll share them throughout the day, and we'll get them posted a little bit later on. Our number one of today's show is in the books. Today's show also brought to you by CCBC. I use these words, tuition-free. They are important words. I want you to file them away. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career, or maybe you want an IT certification? CCBC Continuing Education is the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field, and it's all tuition-free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training in order to find out more. Um... Sam added, I was also tempted to put Tavon Young just for staying fairly healthy this year of all years. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying. It's uh, it's it's more weird than it is anything else. Uh, John K's list, pats on the ass, Bateman, Andrews, Chuck Clark, Justin Tucker, and Adafi Owe. Just, I can't fathom leaving Kevin Zeitler off your list. I can't fathom that. And, and maybe it's just, I thought the offensive line was so bad all year that I didn't bother to notice that 
Kevin Zeitler was having a phenomenal season, right? Like, and I, it's possible that's what it is. He's the one part of your offensive line that nobody's talking about for next year because he's there. Well, I was like, yeah, I mean, like he's like, he's, he's set, the one guy. he's yeah. good. You you have no concern whatsoever at right guard because Kevin Zeitler is that good. Yeah, thank you. Yes, <laughs> yes, thank you. That's a very good point. All right. Um, joining us now, let's uh, transition a little bit. I want to talk more about uh, what the Orioles are doing, changing the stadium a little bit. No, they also made some, I, this guy's not going to tell us about the international signings. Everybody's all excited about Cesar Prieto. Is that his name? Everybody's excited about that. Cesar Prieto, yeah, 22 yeah. year old shortstop. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about this, uh, what they're doing in the ballpark. And this man, of course, you hear him every Monday night with Stan the Fan Charles. Tonight, they're chatting with the Hall of Famer, Jim Palmer, 8 o'clock on Facebook Live. He is former Orioles pitcher and our friend, Mr. Ross Grimsley, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Ross, it's Glenn. What's going on, brother? How are you? Buddy, how you been? I've been good, man. It's been a long time. It's been too long, my friend. Everything good with you? How's Bird? Everything's great, man. Down here, down here in beautiful, uh, sunny Florida. So it's been uh, it's fantastic. It's a little yeah. cool today. I'm not going oh, to oh. tell you what the temperature is. Yeah, right, uh, yeah go ahead. You'll yell at Go me. ahead, Ross. <laughs> tell, tell us about how miserable it is today. I think I think it's about 64. Oh, good. We had like 70-mile-an-hour <laughs> winds last night here, Ross. So. I know, I know. I'm not even going to... I I told my uh, I told my daughter the other day I said I had to close the window last night. <laughs> Sit down. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you how nice it is. Oh, uh, you jerk! <laughs> uh, I love you, brother. It's great to chat with you as always, my friend. Great. Um, Ross, take me through. What What was your reaction when you heard what the Orioles were going to be doing out in left field and moving the wall back? Um, did 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 you Did you react to it at all? Like, I hear from people that say things like, this is the most beautiful ballpark in America. Why are you screwing with it whatsoever? Whereas, I'll tell you, Ross, I line up with the, you're going to have to sign some pitchers in a couple years, and it's really difficult to get pitchers to come to Baltimore right now. You know, I mentioned that. I did a, uh, me and Stan, actually, several years ago, we did a uh, a question and answer thing out at uh, Pappas in Cockeysville. Yeah. And uh, I made the comment, one of the uh, Oriole uh, front office people were there, and I made the comment, I said, as a pitcher, people don't want to come to Camden Yards. You're going to have to tremendously overpay them, or you're going to get uh, the guys that uh, weren't able to sign with any of the, the other teams. And so I, I, so the guy, it was his turn, they asked him something, and he said, I have to disagree with Walt Ross, a lot of pitchers want to come here. Well, I know that's not true. Name them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. I mean, any quality pitchers, they don't, they're going to go to another. I mean, I'd sooner go to Wrigley Field and pitch right. than the, in Camden Yards. I mean, it's just more home runs to hit there since it's been open than any, any other park over the last 30 years. And you've seen over the last uh, uh, few years how many balls flying out of there. And the thing is, you may, pitchers make good pitches, and they hit them out. And uh, what happens is they become defensive, and they start walking guys, and those solo home runs become two- and three-run home runs. So what they did to the park, I think it was fantastic. We had Ben McDonald on last week on our show, uh, Meet Me and Stan. And one of the questions I asked, I said, do you think they're ever going to move the fences back? Huh. And, the, <laughs> and the next day, huh. they did. What'd you know? <laughs> so they, What'd you they know? announced it. Oh, yeah, All like right. I knew something. Yeah, but, right. I mean, that's one of the questions that, uh, that I've always asked. I go, it just makes a lot of sense because, uh, again, if the Oriole blueprint is that of the Houston Astros, they traded for pitchers and they got free agents. They developed very few. Now, the Orioles have some 
some prospects that the people are ranting and raving about the next Cy Young and yeah, Grayson, whoever. Grayson Rodriguez and, is thought very. You, everybody thinks very oh, yeah. highly of him, but it's but oh, it's yeah. but it gets bleak. I mean, it's Grayson Rodriguez, Ross. It's it's DL Hall to a lesser extent. <laughs> And then there really isn't anything. They just don't. They haven't used high draft picks on pitchers sure. since Michael Elias. I think that was the plan. Yeah. I really think that was the plan. And uh, they have guys uh, that you can have 10 prospects. How many of those guys are going to be quality right. big league pitchers? Right, of course. Not maybe one. Right. Two at the most. You know, right. it's just that with due to injuries, especially now, injuries are so prevalent around the uh, baseball. So you got to look at that. But free you want to get obviously free agents so you're going to have to do something to entice uh these guys to come here now i think the orioles are going to have money because they're not spending it now uh you know and uh, i think in the future when it comes time to get those free agent guys and, and see uh how your minor league uh pitchers develop another big thing and then you move on from there but this is i think i think you're going to see a, a different brand of baseball now because your defense in the outfield has to be much better. They have to have speed. I mean, you you got Hayes and, and Mullins who are outstanding, but uh, you're going to have to yeah, get somebody else yeah, to control Mount, these. You're not going to be able to stick Ryan Mountcastle on left. Well, no, no, and even <laughs> even uh, Stewart is going to have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, covering ground. If he he may get to it, but they may go off his head or something. <laughs> who knows? You know, I mean, you, you can't. I mean, this guy busts his butt. Don't, don't get me wrong. He busts his butt, but he's just limited defensively and. Uh, so you're going to see, I think you're going to see guys uh, more speed in the outfield. They're going to have to play. They're going to have to hit cutoff men because it's huge. You're not going to be able to throw the ball, uh, you know, in the air to home plate. Uh, you're going to have to you have to play smarter baseball. Now the hitters, again, they're going to have to start, you know, being become hitters instead of just swingers for the fences. You're going to see that uh, change a little bit, hopefully. The thing is, do you have the people to teach them how to do this? That's Ross, another thing. Uh, there's no question about that. Russ Grimsley with us here on GCR. R- Russ, would this change? You know, you reference as a pitcher, you wouldn't want to sign in Baltimore. Is this enough? Is this enough that you say, yeah, I'd, I'd change my mind? I mean, obviously, we, the money still has to be equal, of course, right? Like you're not sure. you're not taking a discount to come to Baltimore. But right. if in if in two to three years the Orioles are spending money and the money is similar, is this enough for you to say? Yeah, I don't fear pitching in Baltimore any longer. I, I think, well, if you remember years and years ago uh, in Yankee Stadium, they had a short right field, yep. so they had a lot of left-handed hitters. And the the key to pitching in Yankee Stadium then was keep the ball away, keep the ball away from left-handed hitters, make them hit at the center field, you know, in in uh, in, in left center with the deepest part. But again, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have to see how this uh, what happens as far as how how does the field play. Uh, is it going to be a big difference, which I think it, it should be, and then they'll make adjustments. They're going to build the team according to the field. I mean, that's just the way it's always been. And you're not, you're not in this day and age, and in the pitching and defense wins championships. It always has. It always will. And that uh, you know is it, going to be a thing that that they're going to have to to do. But after this year and seeing what happens, then you can kind of uh, gauge it from there. But I think it's a great idea. I, it's, I mean, and, and they say the analytics. Say, no, you just watch it, watch games over right, a, a right, year or so. Right, that, that tells you that yeah, hey, yeah. I mean, we've been like I said, I mentioned this years ago when uh, you know, and, and a lot of people go, yeah. I mean, 
if you want pitchers to want it, you want them to come here. It's a beautiful park. It'll still be a beautiful park. It's thirty years old. It's one of the it's one of the uh, most recognizable and uh, and best facilities uh, in the game still. But in changing this to left field is not going to make uh, uh, make it any less appealing to the fans. I mean, what's going to make it appealing to the fans if they win? Well, yeah, that, that will would get help. people yeah, back that, in, that the, in the stadium. There's no doubt. Yeah, about really. It. Ross Grimsley is with us here on GCR again tonight at eight o'clock. Ross and Stan the Fan are chatting with the great Jim Palmer. You know you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, every time those three guys get together to talk baseball, it is a joy. It's a lot of fun. Uh, that'll be happening on Facebook Live. Ross, the only issue that I have with this, right, and I, I can't lie about it, I hate the bullpen lingering out and creating that, <laughs> that goofy kind of cut-out part of the wall. Yeah. I, it, it, lo- it looks like a miniature golf course. And and I, I know people are like, hey, it, it exists in Pittsburgh. I hate it, I hate it anywhere. I, yeah, right. I, I don't need why, – why don't we put an alligator pit out in right field, right? <laughs> like, I, I just don't – That's I, next. <laughs> I mean, my God, like, what are we doing? Why, why don't you just put the bullpen in the outfield? Like, just yeah. just tell the guys to go warm up in the outfield, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I can't I can't hide – I hope they fix that at some point. I hope at some point they they move the bullpen, you know, either to right field or behind, and and something like that. Because I I think that's gross. I don't think I'm not trying to pretend like it's the end of the world. I don't think that suddenly you know uh, Cedric Mullins is going to get hurt on opening day, you know, because of it. Like I'm not trying to be over dramatic about it. I just right. think it looks dumb. I think it looks dumb to not have a continuous wall and to suddenly say, yeah, it's a wall, and then out here it's actually going to be like a diagonal part. Maybe we'll put some, you know, I, I, I Drew said the other day, he's like maybe we'll put some spikes on it just to yeah. just to make it look fun, <laughs> just to make it a little, yeah, really. a, a little. Don't more give me any ideas, right? Don't give me any Seriously. ideas. Seriously, but I, no, wait, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this. Uh, Everyone will see how it uh, how it uh, transpires and what happens. I think, and then there could be you know things in the future, you know, in the short future to uh, uh, to make it nicer or to. Uh, I, I think it, a lot's going to depend on what what happens uh, this year and in the future before they do any uh, any more uh, re- renovations out there. But I wouldn't be surprised to see something happen. Uh, you know, in the future, they'll just keep uh, doing. Hopefully what will benefit the team and the fans. You know, that, that that's the big thing. I, the, the one argument, by the way, Ross, that I've heard related, and I, and I talked to, I don't, know, I don't know if I can talk about who I talked to this weekend. I, an argument was made to me by somebody who was very involved with Camden Yards in, 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 19, in the early 1990s and making Camden Yards happen that said it becomes a less intimate experience for the fans, moving it back, and it takes away one of the most exciting plays in all of baseball, which is home run robberies. You're not going to get home run robberies any longer with a 12 foot wall in left field. And they're not wrong, right? Like I, no, I, 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 I think we all know that like, for me, it was watching Kenny Lofton. It was watching Mike Devereaux, like some of the most exciting moments that I felt as a child watching baseball games at Camden Yards were home run robberies. And like, right. that, that'll still be an option in center field, like the, the center field wall. Sure. But but you are taking away one of the more fun plays in baseball by going with a twelve foot wall in left field. I think ultimately it's a necessary evil, though, right? Like I think I acknowledge well, uh, yes, but you, it, you need it, to be able all, to sign it a It all comes down, yeah. It all comes down. Is this going to help the Baltimore Orioles get back to what they used to be and on a winning, uh, you know, uh, on a winning way? I, I I think that's the whole idea behind this, and to. And to entice pitchers to come, right. I, I really think that's big. Because again, 
you know, all that, all that what you said is, is true, but it comes down to winning, and winning will put butts in the seat. 100%. And it, it will still be an intimate, uh, you know, you're, you're close. You know, the people that field obviously aren't going to be close anymore, but it all comes down, is this going to help the Baltimore Orioles win and get back to the way things used to be? Hopefully it will, or will make it somewhat better. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the things you're sacrificing uh, for the team to win, is I, I think that's the right direction to go. Russ, Hopefully you, it works. How are you feeling about there actually being any baseball this season? That's another, that's another thing. You know, God, get me started on that. These, these are questions I'm asking tonight. Yeah. I, got, yeah. I, got to, I, got, I got several questions. I don't know if I'll get to them because you know when Cake starts talking. Oh, you guys, uh, you it, just it's sit all back, right? <laughs> it's so, so I'm just going to throw some stuff out there at him. But, yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. There's so much money involved now, and uh, uh, how to divvy it up, I think, is the big thing. I mean, now now you got gambling involved uh, in the in the revenue. Man, that that really jacks it up. So, it, I mean, to try to find a way, I, I think the, two of the for me the one tanking, I, I hate it. I, I I think it's it's just awful. I never dreamed in my life that that an organization or a front office would not put the best possible players on the field to give them a chance to not only win, but at least compete. That is awful. I just can't, I, something has to be done about that. Uh, uh, roster manipulation, holding guys down, uh, you know, to get an extra year. And I, I think there's a lot of things that uh, can be worked out, hopefully, if not, this is not a good time to, for this stuff to be going on and not to be playing baseball because you don't have anybody going for records and home runs like you did once before right, with this, right. this stuff. I, you yeah. don't have Ripken going for uh, consecutive That's games. That's a good point. You don't have anything anything to draw the people back. That's a fair you point, know? Ross. Yeah, I mean, if you lose – if and I, look, I, I'd be stunned if they lost the majority of the season, right? Like, but if Oh, God, you, that would be terrible. But if, if you did, just... if you if you lost the better part of half a season this year, wh- what is it that you're – you've got to tune in to see what? Outside of, say, Shohei yeah. Otani, right? Like, what, right, is, what right. is it that you got at that point? I, it's a, it, you're not wrong about that. Um, it, 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 it's a scary thing. It really is when you think about it. And the, the fans are already uh, – you know, the games are longer. It, that's not the big the thing. There's not enough action in the games anymore. Oh, but Russ, that's why I love the tenth inning thing, man. I I I tell you, I, I love it. I love it desperately. They cannot. I, I'm not telling you I want them to do it in the playoffs because I don't. Because the playoff baseball is intense. From I, I, but it has forced intensity in a time where baseball is all home runs and strikeouts. And oh, it, yeah. it gives me I feel I feel like the tenth inning now is closer to baseball than the rest of the game is. <laughs> like Well, I mean you, you gotta force you gotta force people to bunt. You gotta force people to move the runners over. To, They're gonna do it and but, but during the season they don't do it. It it makes it gets back to playing the game the way it was tended. It was it was a not it was not broken. The game was was the same for a hundred years with minor uh, rule changes and stuff that didn't really, uh, you know, affect the game. Uh, get back to playing it. Where I mean, it's a it's a beautiful game, but you got people involved in it now that have no background in it, uh, that don't care. Honestly, I don't think about the fans or even the players. You know, to, to the extent oh, it used to be. 
Well, the, it, it, and by the way, that's the real issue right now. Is that I think both sure. both of these sides want fans to be mad at the other side, and none of us are. Like we're all like, no, we're real, well, you're, we don't. You're none of you care about us. <laughs> like yeah, they're, yeah, they're, no, they're, none of you are concerned about me. None of you are like, here's how we're trying to keep ticket prices low. Here's how we're yeah. trying to like. None of you are thinking along. We are not siding with any of you. If the, if the players think we're going to get mad at the owners, the owners think we're going to get mad at the players. It ain't happening. We just think you're all jackass. Like, no, yeah, well, I mean, it's always it's always been the players. Always been the players are in the wrong. It's always been that way. The media has done that. You saw what they did to Ken Rose, Rosenthal, oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah, was, was atrocious. Shameful. That was awful. 100%. 100%. But, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> journalism and free speech are gone. Yeah, don't get you me know, wrong. I, if you're trying to get me to defend Rob Manfred, I will not. Like, oh, I will no, no, not no, defend no, I, Rob I, Manfred in any way. Other, yeah. than, other than I'm telling you, Ross, you can't get if you get rid of the 10th inning thing, I'm going to be mad forever. I am going to be <laughs> mad. It is my favorite thing that has happened in baseball because it's real baseball. Well, when I, we get that I, I think you're going to see you're going to see a different brand of baseball. Hopefully, at Camden Yards with the with the way they're they're uh, doing the stuff to the field. I really think it's going to change a lot of ways the game's played. And I think the people like it. I, uh, it'll, it'll be similar to what... I'm, uh, I'm, for, know, I'm for more doubles, Ross. Doubles yeah. are a great part of baseball. Doubles, triples. Big fan. Know, ba- <laughs> base hits. And they're still going to be home runs. That's not going to eliminate home runs. It's just going to make it more fair for the pitchers, I think, which is really important. you got to get those, especially with the young guys. And you're going to have a young catcher probably that's yep. going to be learning, yep. you know, on the job basically. So that this is going to be, you're going to see uh, hopefully more pitchers are going to be more aggressive. They're going to try to throw more strikes. You throw more strikes, you're going to speed the game up. There's going to be more action. You're going to have to get better defense. So it, I think it's going to help uh, in around a lot of di- different ways. And I just, I'm excited about it. This is something I think should have been done, you know, years ago. Uh, in Camden Yards, but you know it, it wasn't. But now, hopefully, that this is a step in the right direction to get back on the winning ways. Ross, Stan, Jim Palmer tonight, eight o'clock. If you miss it, you'll be able to find it tomorrow by going to pressboxonline.com/video. But you don't want to miss it ever. Ross, always appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for Thanks, taking buddy. a couple minutes for Pleasure us. Pleasure talking morning. to you. Glad to, everything's okay with you guys, and uh, we're fine down here in Florida. Love it. Love to hear that. Give Bird All our right, best. Buddy. We'll talk to you soon. I pal. will. I will, right. man. Stay, buddy. Ross Grimsley, love that guy. Love me some Ross Grimsley, man. Love Jeremy Kahn doing his Ross Grimsley too. Maybe we'll have him do that again this morning. I love that. Fans are, yes, they are really, really up in arms about this. I have there was a listener on the show on the uh-huh. battle round um, who kept commenting on the YouTube page o- o- about about this wall. Really? He and he, he's commenting on the show right now. Uh, and this is Paul. Yeah, he he believes. That the Orioles are in a, are acting out the plot of Major League, he thinks that they purposely moved the wall back okay. to get the fans so angry that okay. they stop coming and the team is forced right. to sell I mean, and I, relocate. We got it. We got. I, I I can't even re- respond to that though, Paul. I can't. Not you, Paul. Other this this Paul. I can't even respond to that. <laughs> like I mean, some people just just want to say things for the sake of saying them. Um. Look, I, I'm I'm not gonna hide from the fact I I think the the bullpen thing is bush league. Like I can't hide. It's a bush league thing having the bullpen just linger out into the outfield and the the bizarre ass wall. I mean, like that's dumb. That's dumb, and they got to fix that. But I started this by saying I was not I was not opposed. An argument was made to me. I I I, I can't. I don't want to tell you guys who it was. 
I talked to somebody who was involved with the creation of Camden Yards, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's somebody that would would probably be willing to come on with us, but they they have a job in baseball, and it's just sort of an awkward thing to talk about what a team is doing. And I get that, and I don't I don't want to put this person in that spot, right? Um, and they pointed out, like, look, part of the part of the concept of Camden Yards was build an intimate ballpark, give us the intimacy of Memorial Stadium in a modern ballpark. And as a fan, I loved at a younger age sitting out in those left field seats. It was one of my favorite places to sit. I caught a Melvin Mora home run ball um, once in a game against the Astros. On they used to do a they used to do a bit where uh, if you went to a particular fast food joint on a Wednesday, you could get free tickets to the game that night. And my my sister, my brother in law, and the girl that I was dating at the time like did it every week for a summer right like we and one night i happened to catch him i loved sitting out in left field it was there was something about it that made you feel like you were really in the game despite the fact that you were sitting in let's be honest not not the best seats for seeing the game mm-hmm. right like you felt like you were in the game somehow they created an intimate feel to those left field seats and because of that i'm not going to lie i'm bummed i'm bummed that there are going to be fewer of them and they're going to be further back and it's not going to feel as intimate. And the point about home run robberies I do think is relevant. It's one of my favorite plays in baseball, or it certainly was in my youth. In my youth, when I was falling in love with the game, watching Kenny Lofton and Mike Devereaux and Ken Griffey, and insert name here, rob home runs, was joyful. Now, it's typically a more pleasant-looking play when a center fielder robs a home run because they have to travel further in order to get there. Mm -hmm. It's a more athletic-looking play. A lot of times you'll see a lumbering left fielder sort of get two feet off the ground and rob a home run in left field in Camden Yards. The problem being, it's, it's gone entirely now. Like, going as dramatically to 12 feet, nobody is robbing a home run from 12 feet. Like, it ain't happening. The, the, the most memorable catches, aside from the Mike Devereaux catch in, like, 92 yes. or 93, that you remember at, at, at Camden Yards are in center field. Typically right they center are field. in, yes. Typically uh, they are in center field. Yes. It, it, I think what you're going to see now, though, is you're going to see more of those over-the-shoulder diving catches, which I think are May- that much more Maybe. It, it's still going to be tough because like, the argument is you're going to have to put a more athletic left fielder out there now mm-hmm. to cover more ground, but the, your corner outfielders are typically going to be limited in their, their athleticism, right? If they were particularly athletic players, they're usually going to be in center field, right? Like If you're an outfielder with great athleticism, you're typically going to play in center. Like That's right. just sort of the way that it works. So there will be some sort of limit to that, right? Um, could it create some of that? Yes, it could create some of that, and that's no doubt exciting, right? Like you think of the Jim Edmonds play once upon a time right. where he laid out for a ball. But again, that happened you know, in, in center field too because Jim Edmonds was a center fielder because he was extraordinarily athletic. Um, I, 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 I'm not panicked. Again, when I, when I say... They're not wrong that you're going to lose home run robberies. They aren't. It's a, that play is now gone from mm-hmm. left field at Camden Yards. There cannot be a home run robbery any longer. But it's not as if there were so many memorable left field home run robberies that you're losing a ton. You are losing the possibility of one. Mm-hmm. And I am willing to give you that the trade off is... This is the other thing I dealt with because... 
I was pointed to a, a, a Dan Shaughnessy in his Boston Globe column. He does like a this and that type of column every week where he just sort of touches on a number of things during the course of the column, shares his takes. And he included this and was critical of the Orioles and how they're changing a, a ballpark that is wonderful. And, and his point is sort of like, why couldn't you just, you know, develop better pitchers than have to screw with the, ex- the fan experience at the ballpark? And I get what he's saying, and I do think there's warranted criticism. Dan Connolly and I talked about it a lot. I'm going to criticize them for the fact that they don't draft pitchers. I I don't get that. You can say, well, there's greater risk in drafting a pitcher. Sure, but it's not as if no no pitchers ever panned out. Like Plenty of pitchers have been drafted and panned out over the years. You got to do a good job of scouting them, identifying the talent, and developing them. You've got to build an organization that's capable of doing those things. And just sort of putting your hands up and saying, well, we can't do that, that's a bigger problem. It's a bigger problem that you disqualify the idea of drafting pitchers with high draft picks. Like, that's a bigger issue that we don't want to deal with. And might it work out for the Orioles anyway? And of course, when we point out the Astros attempted to draft. Um, uh, who was the the rock star? It was Appel. Uh, Mark, Mark Appel, yeah. yeah. They attempted to draft Appel, and it, it failed miserably for them, right? And so, you know, that might be what scared the Astros off from doing this any longer. I don't know. I didn't pay attention to the Astros the same way. Um, it, it, it's a problem. It's a problem that you're not drafting pitchers, and that right now your system isn't flooded with pitchers. You are you are limited by that, and maybe if you had done a better job of drafting and developing pitchers, you wouldn't feel as strongly about the need to do this. And ultimately, I wish they didn't have to do it because I like Camden Yards, and I don't like messing with Camden Yards. I definitely don't like the bizarre-ass bullpen thing. I think that's uh, embarrassing, honestly, and I they might be mad about that over there. I'm telling you, I can't, as an Orioles fan, I'm embarrassed by putting in a weird putt-putt course in in left center field i think that's a joke and i think it's a joke and pit i know my my buddy uh uh, arditi and i were going on about this on friday i just because they do it in pittsburgh i think it's a joke there too walk around to every baseball diamond that kids play on everywhere that's not part of it we created that because we wanted to, to prove how cute we could be in designing ballparks it's stupid it's dumb it's not baseball Baseball doesn't involve bizarre-ass places where the wall's here, but if it happens to be a, a foot over um, here, the wall's not there any longer. Like, it's that's dumb. That's a bad bit, and they should fix it somehow. But on the whole, to Ross Grimsley's point, what's best for the Orioles long-term? At this point, given where they are, this probably is best for the Orioles. They can't. They're going to have to sign pitchers. If this is going to come around, they're going to have to sign pitchers because they don't have enough. And they can't sign quality pitchers. Those pitchers won't come pitch here unless you pay them astronomically more to come to Baltimore than to go to insert place here. They had to get competitive in that way. To me, it's not a good thing. It's a necessary evil Mm -hmm. is the best way I can describe it. But even that doesn't justify the, the bullpen thing. They gotta fix that. That that's that's not a necessary evil to me. That's that's awful. I wonder if they'd consider turning the bullpens. You know what I mean? So so they they run parallel with the with the stands with, with the left field stands. I'm wondering or yeah. So I'm wondering if instead they would turn them long ways 
and that oh, made, yeah. and by the way, Paul is right. I forgot about Manny Ramirez. It did for Manny Ramirez made, of course, the home run robbery in left field. Which and he, he, he high fived the fan, then he turned around and he got the got the double play anyway. There, it's not okay. So there is that is a famous one. That is a famous yeah. memorable home run robbery in left field. <laughs> by by the by the, the other worst team defen- of the worst and of the worst defensive <laughs> outfielder you ever saw. <laughs> God, that's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. Ah, it's gross. All right, John. I'm sorry. I haven't mean to ignore you this morning either. John from Little Rock's been checking in. Um, uh, the Cowboys aren't winning anything with that coaching staff. They are a joke with no timeouts. It's a massive risk to run the quarterback draw, knowing that setting the ball and et cetera is out of their hands. You do something shorter in the middle, take your shot in the end zone. Yeah, if you want to say the argument is you you if you call that play, you say this is the line the yard line that you can go to. Then you better get down and make sure we have enough time. You know, like something along those lines, but the middle of the field is what's available for you to go get some yards. I, I think part of the problem is being very overdramatic about something that was unlikely to work. It was unlikely that they were going to get a touchdown on the next play, no matter what, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's they had a, they had a very minimal chance of winning that football game. The, I do think the bigger story, like if you wanted to to harass Mike McCarthy or Kellen Moore. What the f were they doing after the fake punt? What was that? That, that was, was so insane. stupid. I, I, I get their thought process. I don't, even, but, I don't get that. But but you can't take who, a delay of game there. But what do you think you're doing? Who do you think you're catching off guard? You have your punt team on the field. Yeah. You ain't run a play. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, what is that? I, I, th- I think that, that Jim Nance and Tony Romo talked me into understanding what they were doing. I don't even, I, this is funny. I, because the kids wanted to watch the Nickelodeon thing. Mm-hmm. Like, once I, when, when I... I put it, I went upstairs to get on the bike and I put the Nickelodeon version on downstairs and then they came back upstairs with me and they were like put the Nickelodeon one on. So I don't even know what Nansen like, it's not a good football broadcast the Nickelodeon thing. It's mm-hmm. fun, it's silly and I, it was great for the kids. They were way into the slime and all that nonsense. Um but I'd have no I'd have no idea what Nansen and Romo were saying so, in so, that moment. So Romo was was being his little fanboy self and he was going and now they're leaving the team still on the punt team still on the field cuz they're going to try and catch him off guard and and what catch them off? What do you mean does that mean? Because catch it, them it's, off it's, it's your punt team against their special teams, and maybe you can make another play happen. And they think that oh, they're going to run another play because it's first down. Now we have to have the different personnel on. It didn't work because who, in, like you said, who in their right mind would run another then play please, with their special? If teams? I'm the opposing team, please run a play with your punt team <laughs> on the field. Please, I'm begging you, run another play with the punt team on the field. I'm desperate for you to do that. It's like uh, John Harbaugh thinking he was so smart that time that he lined up uh, Justin Tucker as a wrong-footed. You remember he lined them up the one time against the Jets as a left-footed kicker. You were announcing you were running a fake kick. He was lined up with the wrong foot. And then afterwards, they tried to judge. I swear to God, John Harbaugh in the post-game press conference was like, uh, if you saw, if you looked at it, we had him. We had him. Like, if you did, it's only because they're the most incompetent organization that has ever existed because everyone on the planet said, this doesn't look right. <laughs> Stop it. That was nuts. That was nuts what they were doing. Um, uh, I, I, uh, it was insane. And, yes, John, I, moving the wall back is fine, but leaving the bullpen wall jet out like that is dumb. It's, I can't, it's embarrassing. It's bad. It's Bush League doing that i hope that's just because they were in a time crunch and they don't know how to fix it yet and give it another year next off season they'll fix that i pray that's the case we'll come back in jeremy khan's going to join us next today's show also brought to you by glory days grill where the seasonal menu with the oh the comfort food classics still available 
The smoky thigh wings have been going on for about forever. They're amazing. The short rib grilled cheese sandwich, the house-made meatloaf, the grilled meatloaf sandwich, they're all available right now at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Get your order in glorydaysgrill.com. We'll come back in, and we'll chat with Jeremy Kahn. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com from all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the latest in baseball coverage right here on The Bataround. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR, Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. From, from Dave. Dave says, uh, Glenn, no, you've been talking about the playoffs all morning. Oh, he wanted. To... That's a weird email, Dave. 
Dave, I'm going to save that. I'll tell you what, I'm going to save that. I'll go to a different one. Uh, Paul from Ovilando just had a quick Terps basketball head coaching question. Kim English checks a lot of boxes except for one experience. Do you think he could energize the Terps fan base, especially the students? Is a 7-6 record currently at Mason going to make it too hard of a sell? Uh, Paul, honestly, yeah, I think it's going to make it too hard of a sell. I think there are people that really like Kim English and really believe in Kim English, but I think ultimately it does. It makes it too hard of a sell for the broader fan base to say, we want you to come embrace this person. Just t- trust us. I, I don't think right now the University of Maryland can do a trust us hire. I, I, I think that they're in a place, unfortunately, where it's got to be a real hire. And to the point where I said before, like there is some point in the process where if they're not getting the guys they want, they do have to think about a Rick Patino, a John Beeline, somebody along those lines, because I do think that they they have to they have to play to a fan base that's non-existent, that's indifferent, that's un, just uninterested at the moment. They have to hire a real coach or they got to go out and, and frankly, I, hiring Rick Pitino is a gimmick. Hiring John Beeline is less of a gimmick because he's, you know, he's very uh, shortly removed from high-level success. But he's, he's just an advanced age where you know you're not hiring a coach for the next 10 years. But I think they've got to consider a play along those lines if they're striking out in the first group of guys they really want to hire as far as coaches are concerned. I don't think they can do the Kim English thing right now, unfortunately. All right. Uh, it's Monday, so let's chat with Jeremy Kahn. You see his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. You hear him on um, the Big Bag Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. Hey, Jeremy, uh, what what happened there on Saturday in that uh, Vegas-Cincinnati game with the whistle? Could could somebody explain that to us? After further, yeah, it was, uh, it's like yeah. we could get into that yep. quite a bit. Uh, as Jerome Boger's being plastered everywhere, and they're you know, he's not going to get another job in the playoffs, so I'm Poor pretty guy. sure he's pissed off. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that's what we're dealing with. Um, but it was weird. Like, I also wonder about that play, too. Um, you know, everybody that heard it in live, like live time, I don't know that how many people were thinking, hey, I heard the whistle. I don't even know that the whistle necessarily had the impact that everybody think it, uh, thought it did. Um, but But still, we know what the rules are. If the whistle's there and they can go back and listen to it and hear it, then they should have replayed the play. Um, I, I, I agree that it like, and it did look like at least one defender in the end zone peeled off. Like now in fair, in fairness, every defender in the Steelers game last night looked like they peeled off every time somebody was catching a football. So I don't know that it was because of the whistle, but it did appear as though there was an impact. And undoubtedly, I do think they should have gone back and replayed the play. I I see my assumption of them, like, as you put it, peeling off and looking like they're not going back to the ball was because they thought he was out of bounds. I don't know it was because of they, they heard, heard the, the whistle, whistle specifically. Slightly okay. at, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, look, it, we don't know, and that's the hard part. That's why in sports where it gets frustrating, um, like even in basketball, I had a game where the ball got tipped and there was an inadvertent whistle, and we had a, you know, a free layup, but no, nope, because the whistle accidentally blew, the play stopped and the ball's reset at half court and, or mid court, and you go from there. Um, and, and, you know, those things happen. So it's just like you don't know what the reaction is going to be from said player once they hear a whistle, everybody reacts differently. And the other issue I have is people pretending like this is the first time ever that something questionable has happened in a football game. Like the over dramatic response to these things, I get it. I, I think it needs to be fixed, and I think that it's a, a shame that it happened, but I also don't think that it was 
I don't, I don't think that anybody went in. If you watch that and said to yourself, well, they're trying to screw the Raiders. Like, no, it's very reasonable that something like this occurs. That one of the officials genuinely believed the player was out of bounds, was trying to be safe, blew a whistle. The other guys got together and said, I don't think it had anything to do, any bearing on the play itself. I don't think we should take a touchdown off the board. It's a it's a difficult thing for any group of people to get 100% right because it's a unique circumstance that doesn't happen on every single play. So, so it's a, it's a bummer. What? It's a bummer. It's it, a bad look. But I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, it's so funny what you're saying because, like, I, I said this to somebody else when we were and, – and, look, I'm going to compare apples and oranges here, but, like, we talk about live reads uh, that we do on our, our okay. radio station. And the first one in breaks, and they cost more for people to buy those. And it's almost like, well, why, why does it cost more just because it's a first and break? And, and I would tell people, think about how many times you hear one of those crutch words, like, we'll be back after this. And then whatever. You, you bail, many, right. Yeah, and then you do the Pavlov uh, theory, and you know, all of a sudden you're hitting the button and you're leaving, or the mouth salivating, whatever. You can tie it all together. It's the same thing with like these plays when we're watching them in real time. I, I'd love to know from people, because me watching that in real time, I thought Burrow was out of bounds. I didn't think there was any shot that that was going to be good. And then when they showed the replay, I went, oh. All right, well, well, that's different. And then I get to see that angle multiple times, and then we as fans just kind of go and uh, go after them. And, again, I, I'm not so sure that it ultimately had the same impact on that play like everybody thought, but what should have happened after they reviewed it uh, should have gone back. Now, what about people in the playoffs? We've all been seeing it and hearing it. If you've been paying attention, they've got the eye in the sky that's kind of buzzing them in saying, nope, that yep, was incomplete, yep. and then now you don't have to challenge it. So. Is anybody complaining about that? Because it is affecting both sides in, in, in certain plays and affecting teams that should have to challenge that. Because, you know, now you're – what if somebody gets the advantage of it four times being in their favor? Or what have you? Because you're supposed to – the whole point of betting your timeouts is that if you miss one of them, you don't get a third one, you know? And right. now you're giving out all these free ones throughout the game. Is this something that should be implemented all the time? And I, I've I said for a long – Jeremy, thing. I've said for a long time, I, I hate the fact that the coaches have to – officiate the game i think that's nuts right yeah. like i absolutely believe that the system should be in place that if something's close you pause make sure you got it right and then move on and the official the if if the officials just happen to not notice it and somebody on the coaching staff does there should be a mechanism by which you say hey look i need you to look at that again i don't think the the, the a coach sitting there having to think about am i going to need the timeouts to get the ball back at the end of the game or is it more important i mean i think i think it's always been insane that's insane to me that that's the way that we've treated it is you guys have to officiate the games because we can't get it right all the time. That's crazy to me that that's just been something we've accepted over the years as being part of coaching the game is you also have to be responsible for officiating sometimes. Yeah, it, it does sound weird. Um, with you know, We, we want to get it right. I even thought it was stranger when people said, you need the human element. We don't need robot oh, umpires. God. I'm not saying we need robot umpires, but what I'm saying is... You get, like, get it right. Get it right. Right. Yeah, the, the, the strike zone, is, it's a difficult thing, but if something's way off, then, and maybe that's something that they'll never be able to fix unless they just do the whole robot umpire, but even then, to me, there's, there's a degree, an element there of the way the ball's breaking. How much of the strike zone does it have to touch? Just a little bit? Just a little piece? Does, if it comes through this upper box and it calls right. it like there... You know what I mean? Like There, there could be some, some oddness to that, too, and, and uh, you know, machines will make mistakes, but... But at the same extent, when we're watching these games, this game is so fast. And, you know, I even heard, what was it? I think Skip Bayless was going off this morning bitching about the ref in the Dallas game not getting back in time to set the ball because mm. he was too far behind it. It's like, I, I don't know what they expect. First off, these guys are not young. <laughs> they're not, no. It's not like 
No. Nope. Like they have 22-year-olds out there. You need established guys, and, and they're moving around the field, and they have all these kind of silly rules. But Dallas has nobody to blame but themselves for that play call, which See, is just I, I'm in a weird I'm in a weird place with that one, Jeremy, because I actually like the call. I like the idea of you should have had enough time to get up and spike the ball, and, and it just didn't work out for you, and that's the place where you have to go get yards because the outside, you know, they, clearly they're defending the sidelines at that point. I, I – I also but then think, he's got to get down sooner if that's the case. Oh, I don't disagree with that, right? I don't yeah. disagree that you, you there's got to be an internal conversation. How much can I get to make sure that there, there's, all that stuff has to happen? The other thing I would say is, in in hindsight, I think there should have been an ability for somebody upstairs to say, "Hey, we probably screwed that up." They should get one more untimed down, so they don't get a chance to to come up and spike. They're like, "You got a snap? Let's go!" Right? Like that's the way it's oh, going to be. Realize the vitriol if that would have happened. Oh, and they scored a touchdown on the play. Yeah, no doubt it would have been uh, hellfire and brimstone. Because I'm sitting there bitching in the fourth. Hey, I mean, here's another thing. So Mike McCarthy kicks that dumbass field goal. Like, do the math. I'm wa- first off. I'm watching that game, and then I'm watching the game earlier with the Eagles going. Okay, hold on. You're down 31 to nothing. You scored a touchdown and you kicked an extra point. Let me see if I can do this right. <laughs> right. Eight times four is 32. Right. It's, is it likely? Yeah. No. Is yeah. it more likely than getting the ball five times? Yeah. Probably. So, right. You know what? Like, I, I watch that, but when Mike McCarthy, McCarthy kicks that field goal, and I'm going, what on earth does he think? Like, just, you yeah. got to go for it. And, you know and, what you and need they had shot, to... and It's the same drive. They had gone for a fake. Punt. They knew how yeah. important it was at that point, and then they were like, "Man, eh, we'll try a field goal here instead." And the best part about all of it is, as much as we all bitched about it, they still had a shot. It's at the amazing, end of the isn't game, it? It's amazing, and it actually worked. I mean, well, to a degree, you know what I mean. Like, they're, they're who knows if they get it, they don't. You know what you need, and and I'm all about the known. And the same thing that we were talking about. To me, it always comes down to math. Like, there are too many intangibles that could go wrong on that last play in the Dallas game. Um, you know, you got players laying on other players. Try, you got somebody that tries to rip somebody off the pile. You you don't get set, and you snap the ball and spike it, and there's a false. So, like, there's so many things that can go wrong, and you, you play that. But like mathematically, I'm the type of guy that's going to look at that and say, okay, that's not a play I'm going to run. So Jeremy Kahn is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. We Reed and I got into a fight earlier. She's of the opinion that this is proof that you don't need the extra two playoff games on the first weekend. I, and not even, I had a terrible betting weekend for the record. I should have run, uh, ran with you this weekend because I went, I went rogue. It did not go well. But um, not just from a betting perspective, from a, it's January, it's, it's cold as hell outside. I've got nothing else to do. Um, give me as much football as you can give me, and if a couple of the games turn out to be duds, I'll live, right? Like, it's, it's going to be okay to me. I am not going to ever campaign for there to be a less football just because the two seven seeds just both got their asses, asses kicked this weekend. Yeah, and so I, I'm kind of with both of you here because you're, I'm in the same boat as you. I will never complain about more football. Um, is it better for the sport if we made it six? Was the I mean, we'd have to honestly look at it and say it was week 18. Um, was that better, the, the drama that we had coming down the stretch of who was going to get in? Because honestly... Like if you look at the leagues, you could take this any other year and say maybe that seventh team getting in could make a run, or maybe they deserve to. They got hot at the right time. It just so happens that if we honestly look at it, there were four teams that we believed in in the NFC most likely, and there were probably three or four teams in the AFC. We said, hey, those teams are in it, and I don't buy into anybody else. Uh, and maybe one of those teams you don't. I mean, there are a lot of people that don't like Tennessee. But, um, but, but the fact of the matter is, like, this was one of those years where the cream did rise to the top. We, we saw all the best teams. We knew who they were. It was much like college football. We knew who the two best teams in college football were. We didn't need a four-game playoff, but by God, I want it. You know, I want to see them play. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I kind of side with both of you. I, I don't know that it's a necessity that it becomes a better sport with a seventh, uh, a seventh team making it on both sides. No. And then eventually they go to eight, and then, you know, we'll see. I feel like in a lot of the sports it's more difficult to miss the playoffs and it is actually make it in some years with how many that are going to yeah, sure. I, and I, I don't, I don't, I am not arguing that they need to go to eight either. Although I do ultimately mm-hmm. think they will. I think they'll ultimately yeah. go to eight. I'm not. I, and if you want to use this as the argument for why you don't need to go to eight, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think they need to go to eight, but I'm just giving back play, uh, you know, football games in January when we're three weeks away from not having any. Oh, I can't, I can't. Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> somebody brought this to my attention where I think the NFL is really missing out is this end of the year take the four worst teams and have them play for the number one seed to the, or the number yeah. one pick to the fourth pick. Yeah. Let's set that up on Thursday night. Let's get that yeah. I, I mean, I could use more football games, but nobody's going to want to be involved. Like these are already bad teams to begin with. And they're not get, like, it, they're but already you're watching bad teams try to win. And that's hilarious. I, but they're not so. like the Trevor Lawrence will not be involved with that. They're, like Trevor Lawrence's camp is going to say, we're not going to help you compete for the number one pick. Could we're you, done. Could you imagine a quarterback that was picked third overall the year before his teams, uh, the worst right. team in football the next year. Right. And he's throwing that game. So they don't get the quarterback. Uh, they want the next year. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's a great idea in theory. It'll never actually work. Jer- <laughs> Jeremy Kahn is with us here on uh, Glenn Clark radio. Hey, uh, where are you with the uh, Camden Yards things? Where where are you as far oh, as? It doesn't bother me at all. Like, I, look, they're mathematically they're they're looking at things and trying to see what helps. I, I mean, there is some funny stuff to it where it's like, you know, you don't get to move the wall back when they come up the bat, and then move it back in when you're up the bat. But you know, they if they feel like it's going to help them down the line. Um, from a baseball standpoint, and then also maybe from you know staying with baseball, but financially getting guys to sign here. Is there it, money always talks like Mike Hampton going to the Colorado Rockies? He knew before he went there that right. everybody got annihilated there, but the money talks. So yep. he left and he went and he signed. Um, when they get to the point and they're ready to spend money, and we'll see when that is in the next couple of years, uh, you hope they spend it wisely. And you, in my estimation, with how much money you know they've been cutting back the past couple of years, they should be able to go out there and spend accordingly and, and spend those type. Uh, you know, when you're signing pitchers. We can sit here and go over like how many times it's worked out. Like the Max Scherzer contract worked out. The Zach Greinke one, not so much. The you know we we can go on and on and on and start looking across the board where typically those those fail. But the restructuring of the stadium, like none of that bothers me. Them moving the fences back, it looks a little odd, but I'm sure we'll all get used to it. Hell, Houston used to have a hill and what was there a bathroom out in center field or yeah, something? I don't look, know. It, I, I'm I think it, I I can't lie. I think it's embarrassing. I think it's embarrassing the way that it looks. Right? I I just can't. I, you're it, you're putting well, Detroit a, just did this a few years ago, and then they still have one of the best. Right, so Detroit moved their fences back, and that that part right. of it that's the point. Where, Jeremy, I don't care that they're moving the fences back, right? I do think that to some extent it's a necessary evil, right? Like, I don't really want them to do it because you know mm-hmm. why mess with something. But I get it. You you can't sign a pitcher in Baltimore, and you don't have enough pitchers. You haven't drafted them as part of this rebuild. You're gonna have to sign pitchers in a couple years, and you can't get a pitcher to sign here. So in that way, it's easier for me to say it's a necessary evil, right? Like, I I get it. I get why you do it. You just can't build a putt putt course in left center field, right? Like you you gotta. No. They have to move that bullpen and saying, hey, they do it in other stadiums. It's embarrassing in other stadiums. It's embarrassing. That we we don't know what a baseball field is supposed to look like, despite the fact that we've all played on them for our entire lives. Like it's it's well, weird. My big question: Does this help us get Jordan Lyles in his five running already? Yeah, correct. Are we getting him or yeah, not? Did, Just let yeah. me know. Did they did they promise him? Hey, look, man, if you come here, we're gonna change the stadium around for you. 
I've been screaming all along, like, we had fights of whether or not Matt Harvey should come back. And I'm like, are we really having this argument? Like, should they bring him back? And he was, he was awful. He was beyond awful. Ugh. Awful thinks he's awful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then we, we had these conversations on our show where I think I'm the only one that's going, no, you don't bring that guy back. He adds nothing. He adds nothing. He's not even okay, eating But, but who's pitching if he does it? <laughs> yeah. So, like, so we had this argument, and uh, the question was brought up. I was like, well, who do you sign? I was like, Anybody else but him. Well, they, they I did. Watch, they're going to sign Jordan Lyles. That's ah. a perfect example. A guy that throws hard, doesn't do much. Every once in a while goes seven innings. Going to have an ERA over five. Yeah, you might get your 160, 170 innings out of him. He stinks. But that's, that's the type of guy that they would sign. Yep. Well, you got you got what you were looking for, Jeremy Kahn. <laughs> you got your guy. All right. Um, oh. I'm going to give you this. You are, you know, I throw a big party every summer. And mm-hmm. um, I don't even know how to even put music on. You're in a scenario where you're in a social event, and or maybe in the, you're in the car with a, a diverse group of people, and you need to put on agreeable music. You need to put something on that you think the majority of everyone will agree about, that you won't have people say... You're an idiot. What are you doing? What what is like you you want to put the most agreeable thing on that you possibly can? What are you turning to as far as agreeable music is concerned in a social setting? SWV week. Ah. I like I just started thinking like 90s R&B. Okay. But, uh, you're putting on in vogue. You're going to uh, get no complaints from your boy. Your boy. We can go back to SWV and do Human Nature cuz then wow. you still get the Michael Jackson element. Big SWV guy. You are big yeah, so. into the sisters with voices. You are all <laughs> in on SWV. I was I was obsessed with 90s R&B. Like I have cried at going to see Boys to Men. Like I have cri- I I thought it was single without venereal diseases. No. It, no, I don't that think that was it. it. I think it was Sisters with Voices. I'm pretty sure well, it was SWV. Into them more than. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but but like truth be told, I, I, there's a lot of like 80s stuff that pops into my mind. I think Hall and Oates would be a good go-to okay. at that point. Okay. I think that's a safe um, bet that it's going to be fairly yeah. agreeable. Like I don't know why Chicago comes to mind. So like you, know, you get some, you get some horns in there. You get some instruments, the the yeah. percussion, the brass, a little bit of twenty seven people in the band. You can relate to someone. I'd make a. Be- <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> I'd make a better argument for Earth, Wind, and Fire as being <laughs> agreeable, could. right? You probably could. Yeah. I think that would be a bit more agreeable. Stevie Wonder has always been a go-to for me uh, in these situations. Like, you just put on some Stevie Wonder, everybody's going to have a good time. Until inevitably you end up on, like, a ballad, and then you're like, okay, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, what, what exactly? i blue-eyed soul, some Michael McDonald. I mean, Hall and Oates. I do love me some, uh, I am a, a big fan of some Doobie Brothers, little Michael McDonald. you're McDonald's. playing some Michael McDonald, y'all be there. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm a burden that's play uh, mother to the ground. Um, uh, ACDC randomly, a Ah. one that I have found to be agreeable over the years. I have found that obviously all white people love ACDC, but most of my black friends also are like, yeah, we will rock out to this stuff. Like, could I, I, could I throw out, can I throw a wild card here that you wouldn't expect to work, but I think ironically would work. Okay. Rage Against the Machine. I don't disagree at all. I think yep. overwhelmingly 
Rage Against the Machine has proven to be agreeable. Like, there is... There's we that, all hate the man. Correct. There's we this sort of pent-up rage inside all of us, and we all are willing to let it flow with Rage Against the Machine. Uh, uh, this is a good one from Chris. Chris says the Beastie Boys. Yes, I well, think... Well, you just said let it flow, so I was going to go right into the Beastie Boys. Yep, I so. think the Beastie Boys are a typically... that You will occasionally get someone in your life who's like a real hip-hop head who'll be like, yo... No, this is corny. Like we we kind of let it go for a long time, but like, nah, the Beastie Boys are corny. But it's still well, very if you're rare. Go Beastie Boys, can then we then take it back to what the Beastie Boys were listening to when they were formed and go with the Clash? I don't know. I I I. I, this is what I would say about The Clash. I think there'll be people of a certain age who'll be like, I don't know what this is, but I think I dig it. I think that's what you get with The Clash. Like they wouldn't they wouldn't be singing along necessarily. But they'd be willing to listen. They'd be like, "All right, I'm I'm hearing this out. I, I think there's something here." Uh, Outcast. That's a good answer from Dan, by the way. This one's touched a nerve. That's a good uh, one. Dan, I think Outcast absolutely is agreeable on on every circumstance. I think late '80s, early '90s, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mostly Ooh. agreeable. I I think that you run into some problems when you get the like. Well, no, because Under the Bridge is so sing along that like I still mm-hmm. think it works. Like I I don't think you want it to be slower songs. But even under the bridge is so kind of iconic that like I think roller coaster mo- give it away. Well, yeah, now. I mean, I mean, of course, that's that's funky. I mean, like that's just more funky in that way. I don't disagree with that. Um, and then we my play other tub something. Uh, so, no, just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think everybody is just. Well, I don't know. There is an argument too. There is an art. There is. A, it's so funny you bring that up. There's a great argument that when you've got a one hit wonder, but the hit was so ubiquitous that it just sort of works with everybody. Speaking of which. Don McLean is going to be on this program tomorrow. That's amazing. <laughs> Dude, That's... I am so ridiculously excited about this. I can't put it into words. And it's going to be a terrible interview because all it's going to be is just me saying, I love you. Thank you for this gift that you gave us 50 years ago. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, what, do you, what, what hard-hitting questions could I possibly ask Don McLean? How does he feel about the wall? <laughs> sure, I could ask him how he feels about. It would be great Jones. if you just brought him on and talked about nothing but football. Right. <laughs> like if he has anything to promote, don't even bring it up. Just right. talk football with him. Right, hey Don, I was wondering what you thought about how the uh, the Dallas Cowboys San Francisco 49ers game ended the other day. <laughs> Give me some. Well, I just time. found out too. Chris Rowling just asked me to interview Thomas. Ian oh, that's Nicholas, cool. That's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah he's doing the rookie of the year. Yep, thing, he's doing an event. For people that yep. don't know, he was an American Pie. He's yep. the rookie of the year. What was the other one? A Knights? A Kid uh, in King Arthur's that? Court. Kid Is that what King it was Arthur's called? Court, yeah. yeah, I do vaguely remember that. I would, and I, I, and I haven't even talked to Chris about it, but I would put Thomasy e and Nicholas on too because I do think that, particularly given the American Pie thing, there's a lot there. I think we all have... Re- Rookie of the Year does not hold up when you become an adult. It's Daniel a, Stern steals that movie. It, well, he's wonderful, but Daniel Stern is just wonderful. It's a great movie for kids. Well, the thing that Chris doesn't realize is that I'm going to sit up there for 40 minutes and interview... Uh, Thomas on Gary Busey. So that's <laughs> right, all I want. For 40 yeah, minutes, I'm going to talk about Rockets. Just exactly how insane Gary Busey was. <laughs> exactly right. No, I'm down with that. They, they said, they said, do you want to have Don McLean on? I said, yes. And I'm talking to my father about it the other night because like, I literally, I get emotional thinking about it. Like My father and I sitting in the car when I was a kid and singing along to American Pie together. It's like some of the first memories that I have. And he looked at me and he said, what are you going to ask him? And I said, I have no idea. No effing clue. What I'm going to ask Don McLean because all the questions, man. I've I've had some of those where like you don't know what you're going to say to someone where you're like, man, this is so cool. I get to interview him. Like, uh, you know, like randomly, I I had uh, I got offered Jake the Snake Roberts, and he was my favorite wrestlers when I was a kid. Yeah. And then ultimately, like I had a blast when we got him in there, and it's like, hey, I want to talk about wrestling, but I want to talk about his life because his life's so interesting. What are you doing today? You're doing stand up. You're doing. 
that he's doing all these different things. And at the end, it's like, hey, can we take a picture and you put me in a DDT? And he's like, of course. And he uh. puts me in there and they won't let me out. And he says, until you lick my... I'm like, no, so, <laughs> hey. He literally said that. He wasn't letting me out of the headlock until... Oh, so, okay. So I did, and then he finally... All right, yeah. Me. Yeah, I mean, well, it's yeah. Jake the Snake, man. Like, come on. No, but it was funny. He was holding me up, and I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. I never expected him to say that. But, you know, you just... In, in moments like this, you just have fun with it. Let it flow. So you, um, you know from doing the Super Bowl all the years that you did the Super Bowl that, like, it's it's the height of randomness. Like, the next yes. – they, they, they walk by and they're like, would you put this – is, this is a straight shoot. Would you put Michael Orr and Jared from Subway on at the same time? This, of course, being before we knew what we knew about Jared from Subway. And we're like, uh – Okay, you know, like, <laughs> sure, we'll make this work somehow. Here, uh, we got We we, we want to run this by you. Could you do Apollo, Anton Ono, and Jerome Bettis? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it's my favorite part of the Super sure. Bowl, the randomness there, because like I had a chance to interview Andrew Zimmern from yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Bizarre Foods yeah. and like all these things. And the same thing you're talking about; those are my favorite people to interview. Like, just so oh, random, don't have anything to do with what you're talking about. We literally had a guy come to the radio station, and I get a text message from the girl up front. It says the Ravens had just won the day before. I think it was the Ravens. They won the day before, and she said, "There's a guy up front that says he has a singing dog, and he wants to come back." <laughs> and everybody's going, "We're not doing that." I said, oh, yeah, "Hell yeah, God, we, yes are. we are! We <laughs> are!" Right. I need to hear if his dog, like, if his dog can sing, like, actually sing. Yeah, it would be amazing. But if he can't, it would be so much more amazing. And he came in, and he didn't even get on mic. He just walked into the studio, and he started singing a song loud enough to where you could hear it. And his dog just started howling while he was singing. And I'm, I think I'm the only one that enjoyed it. I'm like, this is the best. It's incredible. Oh, it's incredible. And everybody right? was like, what was that? I said, amazing. That's what that was. The, the year Most of, incredible thing ever. The year of the Dallas Super Bowl, there was a guy walking around all week asking every five minutes if you would put him on to, write, to talk about the book he had written, which is about this like bizarre w- football game in the year 3000. Like It was the most insane <laughs> thing. And, and, and Drew's like, we're not doing that. And I said, dude, there's something there. And we could do a bit with it. Like, we could both do a, you know, I, we could do a Vic the Brick Jacobs voice or something. Like, we could both do the same voice. While there is good radio to be had from something like this. And Drew's like, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. We get to Friday. And if you remember, the Dallas Super Bowl was upended by a snowstorm that hit Dallas. Yeah. And they didn't own a plow in the city of Dallas. So, like, all of the guests that we had scheduled for Friday – couldn't was that make, Packers and Steelers? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it was, Packers-Steelers. Yeah. So all of our Friday guests are like, like you know, uh, sorry, Adam Sandler couldn't make it in. Whoever it was, they're like, we, we can't. They, they, just, they, they couldn't make it in because of the snowstorm. And so I look at Drew and I say, dude, we're doing it. Like, we're putting this guy on because he's still wandering around asking if anybody would have him on. So we send over whoever was our gopher for the week. We're like, go let the guy know. And he's getting the call. And the guy comes running. I mean, running across the room. And he sits down, and he's like, I want you to imagine in 3034. He's painting the picture. Like, he's doing the whole thing. And I realized 20 seconds into it, I'm like, you know what would make this really good radio? Is if I, we've got to go to break right now. I'm so sorry. Thank you. I would have been into it. There's Peyton Manning the seventh. Oh, my goodness. Look at him. Actually, we must be much further along than that. So bad. But, but no, like, to me, that stuff's funny. Like, you know. We would talk about, I would have never had the chance, and not to turn this on a totally different open, I would have never had the chance to, you know, talk to Mo for the first time mm. had we not opened up the phone yep. lines and, Said you know, took kids. Whoever, and allowed kids right, to call right. Him. Let them call Or, 
you know, and people would say all the time, man, I love all those wacky callers. You got Bubba and Billy and you right. got Dave and Salisbury. And you know why we have them is because they give them an opportunity and let them say Jer- some of the things. Jeremy, no matter how I still goofy let or- Rick come in here three times a year and pretend to call yep. a horse race. Like, <laughs> I still do that. And he's certifiably insane. He's legit. It's terrifying that the man has my cell phone number. It's terrifying. <laughs> He knows where I work. So it's good. a terrifying thing, but we still do it. There's no doubt. All right, what's hey, coming? Hey, I got I to give you one thing if you haven't watched yet. I don't know yeah. if you have HBO Max, but have you watched Peacemaker yet? No, the Cena show? I watched all oh, three episodes. Oh, my. God. Really? It's very good. It is so dark, so filthy, Is so it? Funny. Is it like The Boys in that way? Yes. Okay, yes. all right, well, 100%. I'm all in because I'm a big fan it's of The Boys. So not, I'm, I, I don't put a quite uh, on the same It's a funnier level. version of The Boys. Okay, because, like, oh, wow. Everything, like he has a pet eagle that he called, that he named Eagly, and <sighs> like there's all this, not, there's sure. so much sexual innuendo, and I, don't, I shouldn't even say innuendo, there's just like <laughs> rampant sex talk from him. Like the things that come out of his mouth that he says, like humans don't talk that way to one another, and it is so damn funny. Are, are, so, John is very good. It, oh, he, are you coming around? You coming around? Very good in this in Paul, this show. Paul was like, I can't take him seriously as an actor. I, I'm like, just you know, like, you've seen the opening to a TV show so many times, you like just skip through it and go right to the the show. You, like, you don't watch. need to, all right. to hear the I'm whole excited thing. now. Like I'm they really have an excited. opening on the show where they're all dancing, and I have to watch it every time. Okay, it's ridiculous. I'm excited. Did, okay, two things. One, with that in mind, did you ever watch the Norm Macdonald talk show on Netflix? Yes. Okay. The way they close the show every week is my favorite thing. That if if you guys have never watched the Norm Macdonald talk show, that only maybe two seasons on Netflix, something like that. It's actually like maybe. they did. He did an episode with Lorne Michaels, which was wonderful. Like you, Lorne Michaels talking about things that he typically never because Lorne Michaels doesn't do a lot of interviews. Um, incredible, like incredible. It was a great show. But they ended the show every week by doing this song and dance routine, and it would just be like in the middle of the interview, he'd be like, "All right, we got to go now." And like, whoever it would be, like Joan Rivers, is like, "What? Like, what are you doing?" He just starts singing and dancing. So great. Well, and then the other thing great. is, um, are you a gemstones guy? Are you into righteous gemstones? Yeah. So I got into it. I started watching it early, and then I forget why I stopped. Like, just something came up and couldn't do it every Sunday. And had them all recorded, and one day I sat down and power watched the show from start to finish. Um, so wonderful! And then so uh, I haven't watched last night, like because I was watching the football game last night. Yeah, I haven't watched last night's video. Watching Euphoria, and um, I, I'm going to watch Righteous Gemstones. And, and wait, we get we get we get Ozark videos. back this weekend. The twenty first. Yeah, the twenty first. Holy crap, man! I yeah. um I we get after like Jeremy put me on to Afterlife oh, last year. I was just going to bring that up. That new season hit this weekend. I watch. It's just such a different watch, right? Like it's just such yeah. a different. I like it. I told you that. I like you it. You watch all of it? No, I haven't watched all the new. I've watched the first three episodes of the new season. Um, I've watched all of it, and then I went back and watched the talent show from season two. Which, oh, it's just perfect. For right? some reason, I pissed my pants laughing. It's, it is. It's quite it. funny. It's just. I, a, I've told people this about Afterlife and then understanding it because there's so many layers to it, and it's unlike anything I've ever watched. Same thing you're saying. Like I've never laughed and cried so much right. at just random things. I never cared so much about characters in a show as much as you do in this one, and then found your favorite characters. So like, there's moments where you go from like just bawling your eyes out, like you're feeling what they're feeling, mm-hmm. and then to just sudden laughter because something is so absurd. Uh, I just think it's so well written, and from my understanding, this is the last season too, right? Oh, that's, I didn't know that. That's a bummer. That's yeah. a bummer. I I I haven't finished it yet. I'm going to try to do that this week, and 
Uh, to your point, wh- who's the guy that's da- that's dating the prostitute? That's my, it's my favorite character by far. The Prozzi, the mailman. Yeah, yeah, correct. Exactly. My by far, my it's like, but that's like my bird, man. <laughs> yeah. the, the postman. Yeah, he has he has an interesting character arc uh, this season. But like, if you watch in season one, he's the mailman who decides he just wants to knock on the guy's door and talk to him right. instead of just putting right. his mail in his mailbox. It's so great. And 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 if you know anything about Ricky Gervais, he pretty much plays himself with some added layers, but he's. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be around anyway. He just wants to be left alone. Hey, um, uh, uh, Proctor points out that you were talking S about officials, but Ed, Ed Hockley could totally bench press you. He's saying uh, that, they're not Ed, f- that son of a bitch still owes me 220 bucks. Until he pays <laughs> me, he's not allowed to even see me. So that horrible call on Jay Cutler when he oh, blew the whistle dead, and I would have won that game. At least you haven't forgotten about it. At least you, no. <laughs> no, no big deal I for you. I hate his son court. even more. Than, I think his son is the worst official in the NFL. Oh, Sean, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they have the worst crew in the NFL. It's By just, the way, I, it's holding after holding. That was the Cowboys game. My so. my company's Diamondbacks, when I lived in Arizona, my t- company's Diamondbacks tickets were right next to his season tickets for the Diamondbacks, so we ended up getting to know each other really well for those two years because like, I was regularly sitting next to him, and like he is physically intimidating. I mean, intimidating. You're talking about Ed or Sean? Ed. Ed. I don't know Sean at all. Um, I'll play both of them. I don't care. <laughs> sound like Drew talking Ed. about Mike Smith, the jockey. <laughs> Drew, <laughs> time, every time we get around, to, like we know nothing about any of the, the horses that are in the Kentucky Derby the day that we let Rick call the race. And Drew's like, whoever Mike Smith is on, I hate him. I hate him forever. <laughs> all right, what's coming up with the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Well, we're all back tomorrow. We were off today for MLK Day. Um, and it'll be all three of us. So we're <laughs> the group's finally back together, at least for we'll see an extended period of time as everybody's battled sickness, holidays, vacation days at the end of the year. So um, we'll obviously be focusing in on the playoff games and matchups coming up this weekend, the Terps in action, all that stuff. So a lot of fun. And we're going to do the Bean Boozle Challenge on the air. What is that? Um, you've never done this thing? No. Potter jelly beans where the white ones taste like either coconut or spilled milk or, or spoiled milk, and you don't know which one's which. Oh, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know anything about the this. The brown ones taste like chocolate pudding or dog food, and oh, and they legitimately taste like what they say. So if you get a one that says it tastes like um, boogers, it tastes like boogers. It I tastes like grass or whatever it may this. be. I knew nothing about <laughs> so, this. It's yeah, a terrifying game. All right. Well, I, I'm looking forward to that. Of course, picks every day as well at pressboxonline.com at Jeremy Conlon. Right now, we got a bunch of early NBA games. Very. So. Oh, that's right. It's MLK Day. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Uh, Jeremy Conlon, 1057 on Twitter. Appreciate you, pal. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks, man. See you, bud. Yeah. Jeremy Conlon joining us as he does every week. We will come back in. We'll get. A, we'll finish. We'll do slaps, tidbit, tidbit, to wrap it up. It's a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Hmm. Well, it might be. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms 
Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com the latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, winding down for a Monday edition of the program. Let's do our season-long slaps to the helmet. Slaps brought to you today uh, by... Ooh, this one's brought to you by Live Casino Hotel. You know what? We just did the reads, so I'm just going to save the reads. This one's brought to you by me, Glenn Clark. Me. Hi, I'm Glenn Clark. That's who it's brought to you by. You like me? Get more of me. You, I mean, I can tell you. <laughs> Get uh, more of me. I'll be at uh, I'll be at Live Casino Hotel on uh, Sunday in the FanDuel Sportsbook with um, uh, the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard. We hope that you will come and join us there for the three o'clock game on Sunday. Just hanging out. We'll be doing some um, some shtick. We'll be doing some banter during uh, end of quarters and at halftime, and then we'll just sort of be there to to help you maybe learn a little bit more about gambling and give you some uh, advice, some tips, some thoughts about how to uh, bet games. This is going to be a fun night hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel. Fun late afternoon, I guess that is, this Sunday, 3 o'clock. Come see us there. All right, slaps from, uh, again, for the totality of the season. My number, and, and again, tricky, just because the season was so broken up, right, and because the disappointment in so many cases was about injury um, and not really about performance, but... I, I struggled with it. I think there are other deserving candidates, but I can't... I didn't want to put Lamar Jackson on the list if I wasn't also putting him on my Pats list, right? Like, if I was going to put Lamar Jackson on one list, I wanted to put him on both lists to say, hey, they would have never been any good if, without him, but part of the problem ended up being Lamar Jackson. I left him off my Pats list because I just I couldn't justify putting him on there over Kevin Zeitler or Justin Tucker. I thought about other players that I could put on my slaps list. And 
the problem was, and it's going to be the same for my number four, the problem was I didn't really have expectations for Sammy Watkins. I just didn't. But I still think that it makes more sense to put him on a list of slaps than it does to put Lamar Jackson on a list of slaps. I Lamar Jackson deserves to be beat up for the way that he played in those four games, but for the totality of the season, no. Sammy Watkins, for the totality of the season, was a non-factor. And I get it. You know, he didn't play every game. How many games did Sammy Watkins play for the year? Uh, like 10. Was it 10? I think that's enough for me to justify. I want to make sure that I wasn't... I did think about that afterwards because I really did struggle with my with number five for slaps. I was like, he may have played more than that. He, he, he played missed 13. Like, yeah, he, he played I was 13. Say, he missed like three games. That's three, more than enough. Games. Sammy yeah. Watkins, who was a non-factor this season, um, is is my number five. But again, I admit I had very little expectation for Sammy Watkins because I, we somehow lost the fact that Sammy Watkins hasn't been a meaningful football player for the overwhelming majority of his career. So that's what it is. He's my number five. They'll clearly move on from him. For me, my number five, and I had to do it, it's, it's Lamar Jackson. And he almost made my, my, my Pats list as well because the Ravens aren't sniffing the playoffs without Lamar Jackson. But the way he played in his final four games, he was not good. Um, he missed he missed a game because of illness. Uh, he missed the end of the season because of injury, which, again, not his fault they got hurt, but he wasn't out there on the field to help the team. And he's the most important player on this team. And when they put it on his back, the la- it was on his back all season, but those last four games... It was some of the worst football we've even we've ever seen him play, including his rookie year. He's my number five. All right. I mean, look, I I definitely considered him, but I couldn't do it unless I was putting him on my Pats list as well. I just couldn't have him on the list unless I was also pointing out the other side of things. Um, my number four. It's the same story. I had almost no expectations for Justin Houston, but I still found myself disappointed. Like he was just largely a non-factor. Um, and and I think what I'm really doing is saying. My disappointment is a bit in the player. It's also a bit a reflection of the signings. Like I, these were not good signings. These were, these were the guys that you got because all the real players were gone, and this is who you had left at that point. Justin Houston was a non-factor this season. You know, he finished with what four and a half sacks and did very little else uh, besides that. He was. There were so few times you're like, wow, Justin Houston is making an impact on this football game. He was just overwhelmingly a non-factor. And I get it. I didn't expect much more than that from Justin Houston. Like, I that I knew what they were getting when they signed him. Although, oddly, like, you looked at him and you were like, well, he was actually more productive than maybe you remember him being recently. He was not productive at all this year. He's my number four. I almost put him on my list, but then I thought about how bad the secondary was and how it's hard to get sacks when you can't cover. Um, <sighs> I don't know if I, dis- I agree with It's hard to get sacks when you can't cover. I mean, it's it's harder. It's harder yeah, if if, if, you mean, can, if receivers are always open. I, would, it's, it's I think harder. it's the other way. I think it's hard to play in the secondary when you're not getting pressure. Right? Yeah, I, 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 th- I think that they're I think that they're interchangeable. I think you can make the case for one for both. I mean, you gotta we gotta win your matchups in order to get sacks. Like you gotta be a guy that's that makes an impact in order to get yeah. sacks. I don't think that that. I mean, the only way that that would be true is if the ball was just coming out so quickly mm-hmm. because the coverage was so bad that like. On every play, someone was immediately wide open, but I don't think that was the story this year. I, I would like. I, I think his numbers would have been better though if they had a, a completely healthy secondary. But you know, it, we'll, we'll never know. Um, for me, my number four was Josh Oliver. Uh, the Ravens love to run three tight end sets. They, they love having two tight ends that they can throw the ball to. And he had an opportunity to come into Baltimore and and, and make a, make a name for himself. And people were were excited when the Ravens got him. 
and he did absolutely nothing to the point where Eric Tomlinson took playing time away from him. And so for me, it was it was Josh Oliver. I feel like the Ravens sorely missed that second receiving threat. Of what, uh, I mean, it, and in the in the context that like it's a failure that they didn't go get another, a real tight end. I hear Josh Oliver wasn't a real tight end. That's the problem that I have. Like Josh Oliver was a fringe player on this roster. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if somebody expected something from Josh, and I there were a couple people this offseason who were like, I'm actually kind of excited about Josh. I'm like, based I was on one of them. What? Like, what was there to think that Josh Oliver was a football player? Because he's tall? I, 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 he's tall. He's fast. He's, he, he looks like a physical guy, and he hasn't really, he's been hurt, and that's really why he hasn't really got much opportunity. He was a third-round draft pick, right? And I, I, maybe it's because I'm so used to the Ravens turning third- and fourth-round tight ends uh, into star players. Maybe yes, that's what it was, but Whew. he was my number four. All right. Uh, my number three is it's one that nobody's talking about. It's so funny to me. How critical we're being of Greg Roman. Because on the flip side, the coordinator of the defense mm-hmm. led a unit that allowed the most yards per play of any team in the NFL. And I get it. They dealt with a lot of injuries. I'm not trying to say that I, I think that Don Martindale should be fired. Like, I'm not, that's not me saying that either. But this was a bad unit this season. I had some guy fighting with me last night about uh, how embarrassing it was. That the, the Ravens' defense wasn't what happened, the problem in the final game of the season, but on the whole, I ended up in this long back and forth with this guy. His point was, I don't think the Ravens' defense is getting uh, criticized enough. And I'm like, I agree with that. But it ain't because of what happened in week... The Ravens' defense was not the problem in week 18. Like, they played well in that game, oddly, despite the fact they didn't have any players. Um, the, but on the whole, this season... They allowed the most yards per play of any team in the NFL. And I get it. It hurt that they lost their entire secondary at the end of the year. It is an impact. But they weren't a particularly good defense before then. And we have to talk about the pass rush thing. We can keep saying, well, it's a different system in Baltimore, whatever you want to say. But watching pass rushers leave Baltimore and be pass rushers again every year is troubling. It's I, I understand that sacks aren't the end-all be-all and that being disruptive can be just as helpful as actually getting a sack in some cases. But there, nothing replaces sacks as big plays are concerned. And it is perpetually confusing that Matt Judon can be dominant and Yannick Ngakwe can have so much success that they weren't having in Baltimore a year ago. And we got to talk about that. Wink Martindale is number three on my list because this was not a good defense this season, period. Oddly, it was a good offense. It wasn't a good defense. He's my number three. Yeah, I, I, I tried not to put any coaches on my list, so Wink Martindale isn't, isn't on my list. But I've been thinking of this for a few weeks now that nobody's talking about how bad the defense was this year and how Wink Martindale doesn't emphasize sacks. And I think that that's a serious problem. I, I think that he's more likely to go than, no. um, than, than, than Greg Roman, but I think they're both sticking around. I, I don't, I, yeah, right. I don't think that he's going to go, but I hear you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, so my number three was Marlon Humphrey. And he signed that big deal, and he's supposed to be one of the top two or three corners in the league based on the deal and based on how he's played in the past. And he, he wasn't good. This year, there were times when he was good, but for the majority of the season, he was not Marlon Humphrey this year. And then he got hurt, which again, the injuries aren't his fault. So I'm not knocking him for getting hurt, 
But he didn't put together a good season, and he was one of those guys that the Ravens really depend on, especially after Marcus Peters got hurt. He's my number three. I'm, he's number two on my list. Um, as far as expectation to reality, the difference, I don't think that it was any more stark. Um, Marlon Humphrey, is, like he wasn't trash. Right. We just expected him to be Marlon Humphrey. And he wasn't a he $98 wasn't, million dollar corner. Yeah, he wasn't Marlon Humphrey. Um, there was, I don't think, a more stark difference between what the Ravens needed a player to be and what they were this season. And again, I know that part of it also is the season ended early, and who knows, maybe he would have had some big late-season push in him. I don't know. But um, they needed Marlon Humphrey to be Marlon Humphrey this year, and he was not. And you hope that that's just a one-year sort of strange thing that occurred and everything's fine when you get to 2022, but it, it was alarming. I mean, it was an alarming thing for a franchise that badly needed Marlon Humphrey to be you know, we talked about it when we put Marlon Humphrey on the cover before the season. The next in the lineage of great Ravens defensive players. They needed him to be a guy that impacted football games. And he just wasn't that player this season. So Marlon Humphrey's my number two. My number two is Tavon Young. He, they, they, okay. they, they, they paid him a ton of money to be, to be a nickel, and he, he was never on the field. And then this year he finally gets on the field, and he was hot garbage all year. I thought he was awful. I don't remember him making one play where I was like, well, that was a great play. Yeah, he was I, bad. I don't know that he was garbage. Um, I mean, he certainly wasn't particularly impressive. And there's a bigger Tavon Young problem that separates from, you know, to your point. They, paying him when they paid him never really made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and obviously the fact that he hasn't been on the field has been a problem. I I I hear what you're saying, but I don't I didn't think he was as bad as you think he was. I think it was more he just wasn't a particularly impactful player this year. And by the time he was the only one left, you were hoping that maybe he could be. Um, I've just never seen anything that suggested that's who he was. I just um, I remember seeing the back of his jersey a lot. This year. I saw a lot of back of jerseys, unfortunately, yeah, as the yeah. year went on. Um, much like with Pats, number one is kind of – it's just so obvious. There's no real debate about it. Look, Alejandro Villanueva was definitely the, the – as far as somebody who was, who was given a role anyway, the worst foot player on this football team this mm-hmm. season. And – you know, I, it's tougher when it's something, and as I said this a few times this year, what makes it so frustrating is if the Ravens had signed a real player and that player just f- fell on their face, you'd sort of be sitting there saying, like, I don't know, I can't be critical of that. I I thought this guy was a good player too. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm surprised by this. There's plenty of things that I get wrong in, in my own evaluations, there's guys that I think uh, would be really good. For example, I thought the Ra- I 100% thought the Ravens should have been in the Julio Jones market this year. And I, in hindsight, was wrong. Now, you know, I don't know what Julio Jones would have been anywhere else if we do a butterfly effect thing. But Julio Jones was definitely not worth paying a high price to for what you've got. Now, maybe he'll carry them to the Super Bowl or something like that. But to this point, Julio Jones was not. So I was wrong about that. But n- this is the Anquan Bolden thing. Nobody, nobody could justify this no one could justify signing Alejandro Villanueva and giving him a role we all knew it was over for Alejandro Villanueva there was no debate about it there was nobody saying I got a sneaky feeling he's still got some football left the Steelers needed offensive line help and they let him walk out of the building they gutted it yeah (laughs) because he was so bad they said "We, we my god we don't want him back and I did, I damn near, I, I did more work on Alejandro Villanueva than just about anybody because I could not believe how much I thought they had screwed this one up. I'm like, what? am I missing something? Like, it made more sense to me 
that that you would let Tyree Phillips try to be your right tackle and Alejandro Villanueva would just be a backup. Then I saw like the money that they were giving him. Like, no, they're they think he's a player. And I poked around with other organizations around football. I said, Am I crazy? Like, is there something here I'm missing? And not one of them. And by the way, a lot of these sources that I have are people who are inclined to say, well, if the Ravens did it, we think we might be wrong because they're normally right. And every single one of them are like, we have no idea what this is. None. Now, in fairness, that's mostly the response that I got when the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson, right? Like when I started poking around, my sources and other teams, they were all like, dude, we didn't, no one was drafting him in the first round. There wasn't a team that was considering Lamar Jackson in the first round. said, we weren't considering him until the third. And I was like, wow. And they ended up being right, and everybody else ended up being wrong. This one was, nobody thought this made any sense, and it ended up being worse than that. It's one of the worst decisions they've ever made. Yeah. You said it all. He's number one for me, too. You said it all. Uh, Quickly, John Proctor. we got to get going. John Proctor says... His slaps, uh, five, do, 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 sorry, five, the strength and conditioning, stop, stop, for Tyson Williams. That's an interesting one, right? Like, because he had the opportunity to seize uh, a chance and he ended up not being able to do it. Like, I hear you. Just such, so low, low expectations for me for Tyson Williams that I, I couldn't consider him. Three, Houston, two, Lamar, one, Alejandro Villanueva. Yes, Villanueva was very common on just about everybody's slaps list. So it is what it is. We'll get him up at glennclarkradio.com here momentarily. Tidbit brought to you by the print issue of PressBox. It's the best of issue with our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, Justin Tucker, on the cover. Go get it right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, anywhere that you find PressBox around town, or read it all, pressboxonline.com slash bestof. On Sunday, Jarek McKinnon had 12 carries for 61 yards and six catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. His 142 scrimmage yards were the most by any running back that played over the weekend and more than any receiver or tight end. In NFL history, six running backs have tallied four or more games at least 150 scrimmage yards. Who are they? Say it one more time. In NFL history, yes. six running backs have, have tallied four or more games with yes. at least 150 scrimmage yards. In, Who are they? Four or more in play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what. Uh, that's what. Yeah, I mean. that's yeah, the part that the, I was in, like. Yeah, was in the like, playoffs. What? Yeah. Um, four or more games. Uh, Marshall Falk. No. It's a little surprising. I know. Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith is tied for fourth with four. Thurman Thomas. Thurman Thomas is number one with seven. Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen is tied for second with five. And it's probably not Barry Sanders, if I had to guess. Uh, Walter Payton. No. Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis is tied for second with five. You have two left. One of these, there's no way you're getting him. You know the name, but there's no way you're getting him. There's no way I'm getting him. I know the name, but there's no way I'm getting him. It doesn't help much. Um, Jerome Bettis. No. Just uh, Edron James. No. It, uh, uh, Dorsett. No. Dickerson. No. Earl Campbell. No. Probably not. Um, if I'm correct, I believe you did already guess uh, the the right organization wrong Didn't player already guessed the right organization wrong player right organization now i can't remember who i guessed i so all right so it's a i, I guessed a ram Mm-mm. i guessed a raider Mm-mm. i guessed a bill Mm-mm. i guessed a cowboy Mm-mm. i guessed an oiler Mm-mm. i guessed a, a bear Mm-mm. i guessed a who else did i guess a colt 
You guessed you you guessed Jerome Bettis. He did yes. play for the Rams, oh. but I think of him as a Stealer. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right, Stealer. Right, one hundred percent. That's what he is. So it's Franco Harris. Franco Harris, four. A little surprised by that. It's tied for fourth with four, and you have one more. If, right. if, if you get this, it's twelve thirty-one. Just tell me. Arian Foster. That doesn't make any sense. Arian Foster that makes had no four. sense whatsoever. That's insane. What the f? How is that possible? That makes no sense. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I got nothing. I got nothing. We could have been here all day. I never would have got that. <laughs> all right, very good. Tubular is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel, where we'll be on Sunday. Of course, come join us for that. Live Casino Hotel, uh, the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, is now open in Hanover, Maryland. Bet on all the games with the self-service kiosks. Watch them all at the best seat in the house at Live Casino and Hotel. Uh, games, as uh, was just pointed out by Jeremy Kahn, underway throughout the day today as it is MLK Day. Uh, of course, tonight the Cardinals-Rams uh, game is at 8.15. It's on ESPN and ABC, and there's a Manning cast on ESPN too, to boot. Flow Sports for Towson, William & Mary tonight at 7. ESPN 3 this afternoon for UMBC and Stony Brook at 4. NEC Front Row for Mount St. Mary's and Merrimack at 3. College basketball throughout the day. Go to glennclarkradio.com and find it there. Sixers-Wizards at 2 on NBC Sports Washington at 1. NBA TV's got Hornets-Knicks. Then they've got Jazz-Lakers tonight at 10.30. TNT has Bulls-Grizzlies at 3.30. Bucks-Hawks at 6. Australian Open coverage continues tonight on ESPN 2. It starts on ESPN Plus at 7. Moves to ESPN 2 at 11.30. Thankfully, I've still got the DirecTV package. Francis TFO from uh, Maryland will be playing overnight tonight. He's got a, a late uh, a match in his first round. And uh, Canadians Coyotes at 4 on ESPN Plus and Hulu USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Yeah, there, there's no shows that you watch that you would enjoy hearing about. So there, there's... Um, but on... Um you were just talking about uh, the a- about afterlife with yes, uh, Ricky that's Ricky Gervais. He's going to be on uh, J- uh, tonight's show with Jimmy Fallon tonight, along with Maude Apatow, um, and then on Jimmy Kimmel Live, Rob Lowe's going to be on there. Um, and then honestly, that's that's really it. All right, very good, very good. Thanks today to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks also to um, Ross Grimsley and the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Archive Radio dot com. Don McLean is on the show tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm going to be very emotional talking to Don McLean about the 50th anniversary of American Pie. He's coming to Baltimore this summer. We'll talk to him about that. Uh, Patrick Stevens will join us as he does every Tuesday to talk some Terps and college hoops and stuff and things, as always, on tomorrow's program. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, ExxonMobil, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage and Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com, as well as my bookie. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great Monday night. Um, go, go Towson. Go UMBC. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.